Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the Outer Hebrides. This is the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon. Glad to be back. And I'm joined. Who are you? I, I beg your pardon? Who are Who you? Who am I? Who am I? Good question. I'll tell you what I've been up to the past couple of weeks. But I'm joined, if you couldn't already tell, by Dave Somerville. Hello. And by Jake McGee. Hello, friend. Hello, friends. That's how you do it, Dave. You don't, you don't go, who are you? Jake knew who I was. He knew who I was. So, gentlemen, um, I've been away for two weeks. Uh, first of all, huge shout out to Patrick Jackson. Huge yes. shout out. Red. Thank you so much, Patrick. If you're listening, he he will. See, this is the this is the only time when I've said <laughs> if you're listening, and I'm ninety nine percent sure that person is actually listening. So, Patrick, thank you so much for filling in the past couple of weeks. Absolutely amazing. Didn't miss a beat. Uh, it's difficult trying to keep Dave under control. I get that, but you did a sterling job. Uh, sorry, Dave. You knew that was coming. No, you're not. You knew that was yes, coming. Yes, I did. No, you're not. Sorry. Uh, so yes, uh, and, and a big thank you to Callum Blaine, technical wizard, for uh, helping with the uploads. Now, before we start, before we go into the news, um, as I say, I've been away for two weeks, mm. um, but I've not been off the grid. I have been watching games. Uh, we were on holiday through Europe, and my my lovely wife, um, God love her, she's the most patient woman in, in the world. Um, she actually. The first Sunday said, oh, it's it's Sunday today. Are you going to be watching NFL? <laughs> and I'll, I'm going to be honest with you guys. If she hadn't said anything, I probably wasn't going to bring it up because we were on holiday. You know, it's, it's her time. But as soon as she said it, I was like, yep, absolutely. That's great. Got the <laughs> laptop out. Um, and proceeded to watch the Denver Broncos um, give up an 18-point lead to the Washington Commanders. Now, I was a bit upset at this because I thought the Broncos were going to be better. It's actually, no, that, that's not true. I thought the Commanders were going to be worse than they have proven to be over the first four weeks. I did not expect them to look as um, finished, as polished as they have done. Sam Howell, despite being sacked more than anyone like ever, um, really looks much better than I thought he was going to. So props to him. Um, but the Broncos gave up an 18-point lead, and I was like, oh, dear. Oh, dear. Still, never mind. Next week, I've got Miami. Now, I, I'm I'm going to make it very brief. I apologize, Jake, Dave, in advance. I just need to get something off my chest. <laughs> I we don't need to talk about the game, okay? Because we watched the game, and the Broncos lost, all right, to the Miami That's Dolphins. Put it nicely. Yes, uh, we know that uh, Andrew McCaskill, a uh, good friend of ours, <laughs> he he was he was quite happy. Uh, also, there's a, a gentleman that we work with, Murdo, Murdo McKeever. He's a Miami Dolphins fan, if, if you weren't aware. Um, he didn't message me on purpose because of the, the game. So the, the Broncos lose. They get absolutely walloped, 70 to 20, by the Dolphins. Now, you can watch this game and say... Hey, the Dolphins are the best team of all time watching that. Clearly not. As we will talk about later on. Clearly. This was not a case of Miami being um, just like 
insanely godlike on this one afternoon. It was not a case of that. And I will discuss it later on why that was not the case. But you both know that when the when I found out that the, uh, Sean Payton had hired Vance Joseph as his defensive coordinator, I said, oh no, not Vance Joseph. Because the man is a liability. I, he's been in the league for years, right? years. He keeps getting jobs. I don't know why. But here's the thing. Vance Joseph came out with a quote. He came out with a quote after that absolute abomination against Miami. And uh, before I tell you, before I read the quote to you, uh, Jake, Dave, I'm going to put you in the position of a defensive coordinator for your team. So let's say, uh, we'll start with you, Jake. Saints are playing the Dolphins. You're the defensive coordinator. What's the first thing you think of when we're playing the Dolphins? Like, what's like the, you know, what's the one thing we should try to control? What do you reckon? What would you say? Uh, speed. Speed. Dave, if I was, the, I'm the general manager, you're the, the defensive coordinator of the Rams. I was like, what's, what's your plan? How do we, what do we need to deal with when we're dealing with the Dolphins? What would you say, Dave? I mean, just elaborate on Jake. In particular, the speediest man in the NFL in Tyreek Hill, who yes. has his own Twitter handle as Cheetah. I mean, they literally, prior to the game, they had the, the 40 times of the Dolphins, uh, the graphics, they had Tyreek Hill, mm. uh, A-Chan, um, the Raheem Mostert, former fastest man in the NFL, uh, Jalen Waddle wasn't actually playing there, but so we're all in agreement that if you're playing the Miami Dolphins, the one thing you need to be concerned about is speed. Quote by Vance Joseph. Unfortunately, we were not prepared for the speed of the Dolphins. I'm sorry. What was that, Vance? <laughs> did, you, did you forget, perhaps, that what Miami is known for is having the fastest players in the NFL. It literally, it's, it's the one thing they're known for, nothing else. They're known for having a fragile quarterback, you know, if he concussions. Hey. But they, they are. You know, everyone still talks about if Tua gets hurt, then, you know, the Dolphins are in trouble. Hey, don't get me wrong. Tua has been magnificent this year. His release is unbelievable. But... It's all about speed. So when Vance Jones, the defensive coordinator, says we weren't prepared for the speed, what were you prepared for? Because you clearly weren't prepared to tackle anyone. Nobody tackled. It was, it was, it was, I'm sorry, sorry. It, it was bad. I'm just I'd, I'd like to clarify that. I had no idea. I'm sure Dave's saying no idea the podcast was going to start like this. So the <laughs> fact that we you know, are immediately as non-defensive coordinators in the National Football League can identify the problem and a defensive coordinator over a long period of time Years. aren't is rather worrying. I did not know of this quote. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the so, fact he still has a job. Oh, I know. I, uh, I, am, I am beyond shocked that he wasn't sacked. After the Miami game. And I don't care that it was three games into the season. It was one of the worst defensive schemes. Keep in mind, the week before, they'd played the New England Patriots. And Bill Belichick, arguably the greatest defensive mind of all time, 
Um, I probably would say he is. Um, came up with a scheme to just completely blanket those receivers and take them out of the game. Yes, the Dolphins then killed them with the running game, which they probably weren't expecting, because that running game looks pretty solid at times in Miami there, my goodness. Um, but, you know, he, he, he was like, it's all about the speed. So when Van Stroh doesn't even prepare for the speed of the receivers, and they played constant zone defences, uh, with with the, the, the safeties coming up t- towards tight ends, you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> it was one of the worst defensive performances I've ever seen. I'm just I'm going to finish this off because I know I, I'll talk for the entire podcast, and I apologize, gentlemen, I do. I'm going to finish this off by saying the Denver Broncos went from having one of the best defenses in the entire NFL last year. I mean, they were, what, second in points, despite the fact that their offense was constantly going three and out and their opponents getting short fields. You could argue it was the best defense in the NFL, given the situations they were put in every single week. They went from that to historically appallingly bad. You remember, Jake, the the, the, uh, random stat I gave you last week? Mm -hmm. The Broncos are like 40 points a game. Um, They're now only allowing about 37 points a game. Still Progress. historically bad. <laughs> historically bad. Horrendous. Vance Joseph needs to be fired. That's just now. It's it. Don't do it in six months' time. Do it now. Get rid of him. You could bring in any interim coach and they will perform better than Vance Joseph has. Justin Simmons has practiced for two weeks and not played. So something is, is going on. Your best defensive player. Some might argue Pat Sertan. He's practiced both weeks, not played. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, another news: the Broncos released Randy Gregory. So, yeah. Tim, if you're listening, he probably isn't actually. Tim doesn't care. If you are listening, Tim, last year in the off season, I think it was in May of last year, said, "I'm so glad that the Cowboys have got rid of Randy Gregory. He's a liability. He's nothing but a waste of cap money." And oh boy. Was he right? Twenty-seven million pounds paid to Randy Gregory. Twenty-seven quarterback pressures. Yeah, a million a quarterback pressure, not bad. Not even a sack. Just like you know, making him move a bit. A million dollars a pop. Now that's hey. If you can get that gig, guys, take it. That's all I'm going to say. We're done, Jake. Was there any news in and around the NFL this week? Apart from Randy Gregory, covered it. Well, not to toot my own horn, but I think I was right. Last week I was talking about JC Jackson, that the the famous Patriots defenders that yes. play brilliantly for Patriots and then they go off, get paid and play horrendously or don't play, and then they come back to the Patriots a few years later. Well, I was slightly wrong because he just came back pretty much straight away. Uh, he's been traded to the Patriots for, I'm pretty sure it was a sixth, a seventh, it was a late round pick either way. Um, and he's back with Bill, and this is terrible news for me because it just so happens this is the week that the Patriots play the Saints, and they had a couple of injuries. Uh, Christian Gonzalez, their impressive rookie, and Matt Judon. I was like, okay, finally the Saints are getting a bit of luck. We're playing another team with some injuries, and then they go and trade for J.C. Jackson. So that doesn't help me. Mm, yeah, and it, there's also that uh, Christian Gonzalez, I heard, is out for the season. 
so that's a big, yeah, that's a big, big. Uh, Judon too. They were saying it's lengthy. Could you know that hopefully might play this year, but as soon as a coach says, "Oh, hopefully he'll play this year," that doesn't. That's not a good sign. Yeah, it really does favor confidence. But what I also saw for the GC Jackson one, I think that they've swapped either a sixth or seventh round picks in like I think it's twenty twenty five. And I also heard that the Chargers are paying the majority of the. Uh, the wage for JC Jackson just to move him out. Do you think the Patriots did this on purpose, Jay? Because you've said they've done it umpteen times before. Like he's coming up for a contract, they're like, nah, ship him off to San Diego or somewhere. San Diego, oh, Los oh, Angeles. Oh my goodness! See, ship him off to the Chargers. Um, they can take all his cap money, and then we'll sign him for buttons. And, they do you know, it all the time. Here comes our Pro Bowl season for JC Jackson. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Probably going to win the October Player of the Month. Yeah. Some, somehow. <laughs> Just, <laughs> Just somehow. Three pick sixes. And you're like, oh, my God, this guy. What's going on here? Anything else happening, Jake? Um, not that I'm aware of. Uh, I've not, not focused too much on the news. Obviously, that Randy Gregory release, mm-hmm. the JC Jackson yeah and then a lot of injuries that we'll cover in but I don't know if Dave has anything else that I've missed or that we've missed yeah, there's a couple of injuries to quite a few defensive linemen across the league um, nothing to stand out it's just that uh, Jonathan Taylor is back in practice for the Colts uh, so that's a bit of an interesting one I'm just glad that it wasn't this week just gone that he was uh, ready to play anyway because that would have been uh, very not nice for me Um but I think that there is some good news, though, that for uh, former Rams offensive lineman and Panthers offensive lineman now, Austin Corbett is back on the field after nine months out with an ACL tear. So uh, that's one good thing. But apart from that, it's been a relatively quiet week. But I think the main stories have kind of dominated and been quite, oh, here we go, um, kind of scenarios. But uh, yeah, so um, Christian Gonzalez... Uh, he's he's got a torn is it labrum labrum uh, from a dislocated uh, shoulder that he sustained on Sunday, so that is a sore one uh, and a sore one in timescale as well because next season is as is the earliest that he, we could see him again. He was got to be one of the favourites for defensive rookie of the year with the way you know the, the way he's hit the ground running. Um, it's great for my defensive rookie of the year shout Dev, Devon Willerspoon. Uh, but absolutely brutal for, for Gonzalez, who has looked just fantastic. Yeah, he really looks that um worthy of that pick. Uh and and he it's such a shame. Would you get these young and don't get me wrong, it's a shame when anyone gets injured, you know, misses the season, of course it's but see when it happens to rookies and you're like, That's just that's terrible. It was like when Brees Hall went down last year for the Jets. And you think that's absolutely horrendous for some of these young guys. Uh, Right, gentlemen, I think we shall move into a week four review. How does that sound? Yeah, that's perfect. Week four. And we start at Lambeau Field where the Detroit Lions travel to take on the Green Bay Packers in front of 78,052 fans. And the Lions absolutely Duck it to them. Don't be fooled by the score. This game wasn't even close. Uh, the Lions came away with a 34-20 to 20 win in this one. And they just looked fantastic from start to finish. 
So without further ado, we're going to put it over to Dave Somerville. Detroit Lions, Green Bay Packers, Thursday night football. What did you see in this game? Uh, I saw the curse of Jake McGee uh, carry on into this game as Jared Goff threw another pick in this game. But, you know, it was it was pretty much forgotten about because not only on our side of the ball did Jordan Love throw two picks, but the Lions absolutely hammered the Packers. This, this wasn't close. This game was over. You could make the argument after the first quarter because the Lions just stampeded over them. Uh, quite well, and anyone that was expecting the Packers to pick up, uh, yeah, it, it didn't happen. It wasn't going to happen. Uh, there, I mean, it was just ridiculous. David Montgomery, former Chicago Bear, coming back to haunt um, the the Packers and in in Green Bay as well. You, you gotta love to see it. Three touchdowns for David Montgomery. A fantastic performance. Thirty two carries, one hundred twenty one yards, and he just got the job done every time. And one thing I know is the striking comparison between both offenses is that um, Jared Goff was very, very accurate. Jordan Love was not very, very accurate. David Montgomery ran the ball very, very well. Green Bay did not run the ball very, very well. I don't know if you're catching any kind of patterns uh, in this, but uh, I'd, I'd also like to point out that I wish... Uh, is it is it Kai Kai Walker Key Walk Kai Kai Walker the line, linebacker Quay 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 Walker Quay Walker I think well we've had about four or five there in a row but Quay uh, Walker I wish him the very best because he is going to be black and blue for weeks and months to come after his nineteen tackles that he had to make in this game um, yeah and and 10 of them solo he managed to get one tackle for loss good for him but he there was just not a whole lot else um, to really shout home about for the Green Bay defense uh, well Rudy Ford obviously with um, the pick for uh, Jared Goff um, he, well, he, he did throw for uh, a touchdown as well did Goff it was Salmon Racing Brown, your standard, you know, this favorite man, he wasn't really going to miss him in that situation. But I am worried uh, for Packers fans. I'm not, I'm not personally worried, uh, to be honest. But yes, this was this was a, a game that they should put up a lot more of a challenge. They were chasing the coattails of the Lions from the word go. It was horrible to watch if you're a Packers fan. It was great if you were me. I mean, if you were Lions fans. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, my my personal player of the game, it's got to be David Montgomery. There's just no if, buts, or maybes about it. There, there wasn't a 100-yard receiver on Green Bay. There wasn't one in Detroit, but there didn't need to be because the run game was just solid. The Packers could not stop it whatsoever. And the Detroit defense, five sacks from Jordan Love. And they limited the, the rushing game to 27 yards. So that's Dave's great report. Thank you very much, Dave. Uh, Jake, did you see anything in all this game? Yeah, the, the best quote uh, in a while, all roads go through Detroit. And it's not often you can say that uh, not sarcastically. Uh, but that's four straight against the Packers. So that's the first time since 1982, 1983 that's happened. And it's a half-time deficit of at least 17 uh, in back-to-back weeks for the first time ever for the Packers. And something we forgot in the news, Jameson Williams is back. I didn't even see it. They changed the rules. Yeah, they changed the rules for a first-time offense for not betting on an NFL game, but in the facilities, two games. Obviously, he's missed four games, so he's kind of been screwed by that. 
Um, but he comes back two games earlier, so I suppose they, they give and they take. Um, so we will see him maybe even this week if they can get him up and running in time. So some good news for Lions fans. Oh, some more good news. The thing I noticed in this game, um, and you're absolutely right, Dave, uh, Montgomery was just spectacular. Um, Aiden Hutchinson was everywhere again. Um, it doesn't really shorten the stats or uh, one one and a half sacks no. I think he had. But, uh, but yes, he but was because there was so much focus on him. There. Yeah. He that, was, yeah, and he, he enabled every it's he had I, I know no we don't like when I bring other Rams up, but there's so much focus on one player. So that team has to focus on blocking that player and it enables the rest of the defensive line. If they if they beat just a little bit of their one guy that's blocking them. Boom, their quarterback's in trouble, which is what happened to Jordan Love. And five sacks, numerous more pressures as well. Um, and Ian Hutchinson got through himself for one and a half sacks. Yeah, he was absolutely outstanding in this game. And uh, I think, you know, as we look back at um, the, the the picks from last year, um, I think if you had a redraft, Aiden Hudson probably go number one amongst those defensive, Easily. Those defensive uh, players. He's absolutely spectacular. And I know Ewan McPhail's very happy. So then we move on to Old London Town, where the Atlanta Falcons take on the Jacksonville Jaguars at Wembley Stadium in front of 85,716 fans. And much like the last game, this one wasn't even close. But we know Patrick Jackson will be very happy indeed. Um, His Jaguars stomped the Atlanta Falcons 23-7 in this one. And I watched this game, and the Falcons' offense is just... Well, the quarterback play is absolutely appalling uh, just appalling Desmond Ridder just looks like he hasn't got a clue out there if it wasn't for Bijan Robinson you have to think he would have no offense whatsoever um, Trevor Lawrence looked pretty good he went 23-30 207 yards and a touchdown he was sacked twice um, and rushing Travis Etienne not great numbers for him. He was a uh, twenty attempts, fifty-five yards. But Lawrence himself picked up another forty-two on eight carries. It was mostly about the defense in this one. Um, but again, this Falcons passing attack—they they still aren't uh, looking at Drake London properly. They still aren't looking at Kyle Pitts. They still aren't. You, you just look at this team and go, "What is happening?" To the point where I, I, I think they've got to be thinking about making a change of the quarterback position. Dave, I'll put it over to you. Do you trust Ed, Desmond Ridder at quarterback? Because, you know, he looks really, really out of his depth. I, I'll, I'll take it one step further. I think uh, that the Falcons' offense are being completely mismanaged right now. I, I, don't, I don't think we can put it solely on Ridder. Well, what Ridder was asked to do uh, with, shall we say... Mm, not the best offensive line. Now he had it was thirty-one attempts that Ritter had uh, to throw. He completed nineteen of them. However, Bijan Robinson had fourteen carries. Tyler Algier had seven carries. That's twenty-one. When you've got a team that is set up very, very well for the run game, that you should play to your strengths. Now Ritter, as we know, is work. We weren't sure what to really expect from him. We thought, probably not going to see much from him. And that's exactly what we're seeing. However, from 21 carries, uh, the Falcons running, running, I don't know, what running unit, we'll call him that, 121 yards. Bijan Robinson, 
I think is going to have the same impact on, or could have the same impact on the Falcons as Saquon Barkley has at, in New York. That's how good this guy is. He is very good. He has one of the best cuts. He can catch the ball. I'm pretty sure, if I remember rightly, he made a one-handed catch. The Falcons are being mismanaged on offense, which I'm sure Jake is very upset about. But Desmond Ritter is just not... He's, he's not like a kind of franchise pocket quarterback. He just doesn't suit that role, and that's what the Falcons are trying to play. Um, and you are right that... You know, players like Kyle Pitts is not getting involved as much. He was targeted four times in this one. Uh, he uh, got caught two for 21. Jake London, they tried to get him in a bit more, but the throws weren't, they're just not good enough. He was he was three receptions from seven targets in this one and only managed to get 28 yards. So, uh, yeah, I'd take it one step further. I think that offense, what they're aiming to do is not what they can do. And I think that's going to be their downfall this year. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned, right, so I'm not trying to put all the blame on Desmond Ritter, but the, the sad fact of the matter is that a lot of those, you mentioned three catches and seven targets, those other four targets were sailing over his head. Yep. Yeah, like they weren't even close. It's not like they were all contested catches and um, Kyle Pitts had two from four targets and the other two were just miles off. It was, it, I get it, Ritter's a young guy. He's mm-hmm. not, um, you know, he's not a veteran in this league, but he's still an NFL quarterback and he should be able to make these passes. Um, Don't forget the pick six as well. I think it yeah. was uh, Darius Williams. That I mean, that was not a good one. That that, that could have been... No, no, it wasn't a good one at all. The fa- I'm, I'm a bit worried for the Falcons, but as you already mentioned, Dave, last year they had they had like one of the best rushing attacks in the entire NFL. Were the second in the league in rushing last year? Yeah, something like that, what, yeah. What? And now, and then they added Bijan Robinson, and they don't appear to be running the ball as much. <laughs> what are you doing? It was working last year. Continue to do it. You've improved it. I I don't know what's happening. Uh, Jake, do you have anything to add to to the uh, Falcons Jags game? Or are you just happy with the result? No, with this one, the well, oh, Patterson, this was the first game he was active for. He only saw seven snaps, didn't put up any any stat. Um, so they're not getting him involved. Obviously, he's come back from injury. I understand they've got to work him in. But just, I agree with Dave in terms of this offense is just a mess. I mean, I'm really impressed by their defense, but their offense is a mess. Dave mentioned that pick six. Well, the very next throw was a pick. It felt like I was watching Matt Schaub again. Um, but for, you know, focusing on the the Jags, they hadn't won at Wembley since they beat the Ravens forty four seven in two thousand and seventeen. So it's good for them to to get back to winning ways in Wembley. And Josh Allen is just a really good footballing name. He got three sacks himself. I believe he's gone six, which would mean he's joint leading the NFL. I believe so. It's just a good time to be called Josh Allen in the NFL. And I will talk about this with another team later on, or maybe a couple of teams. There is a, a certain team, the Bengals, that are playing a quarterback who's not fit and they shouldn't be playing, but they don't have a, you know, a, a good backup behind them, so you can kind of somewhat understand it. There is teams out here who are paying backup quarterbacks good money. If your quarterback is injured or not fully healthy, why are you paying a backup quarterback good money? If your quarterback sucks like Desmond Ritter does and you're paying Tyler Heineke a very good average quarterback who came in last year for the Commanders, improved their team, 
I, I don't understand what Ridder has to do. You know, how long is his like rope? Because I, I've said it, I've been on it the entire season, and it can be called bias, but I have said whilst Desmond Ridder is that quarterback, I do not fear the Falcons in one way. No, you're absolutely right. And you mentioned Heineken. We we covered this probably about a month ago. We're talking about backup quarterbacks and how important a good backup quarterback is. And it's for this very reason. You mentioned Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is playing hurt right now. Um, Over at your own Saints, Jake, your quarterback is playing hurt just now. Get Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford's playing hurt. Matt Stafford's always hurt. Yeah, 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 well, he's always we don't want to talk about that, <laughs> but, but get, yes, he limped out. Yeah. But but yeah, so you've got your backup there for a reason. Put him in. And Taylor Heineke, for, for two years, nearly three years running at Washington, would come in as a backup and the team would win because Taylor Heineke can play quarterback at the NFL level. We know this. Put the man in. Why did you sign him if you're not going to play him? What's the point? Corded up, and I'm with you on Corded up, Patterson. Still, even at age 103 or whatever he is, is one of the most dynamic players in the entire NFL. And you don't let him see the ball once. Not once. If he's not fit to play, don't put him in the game. Mm -hmm. If he is fit to play, give him the damn ball. Because it's just ridiculous. Um, anyway, I'm starting to get all angry about this. So we're going to move on, gentlemen. <laughs> we will move on. And we're moving right back across the way to Lucas Oil Stadium, Indianapolis, where the Los Angeles Rams traveled to take on the Colts in front of 65,337 people. And the Rams just jumped out to a 23 to nothing lead and then blew it all. And the Colts came storming back 23-23. And wouldn't you know, Dave, because I'm going to put it to you, this game went into overtime and I will let you finish off what happened in this game. The man of the year. Got his first touchdown with a walk-off touchdown. Puka Nakua with his first TD of his career. And you know what? He was he was he was player of the game. There was just hands down player of the game. Nine receptions, 163 yards, and his first touchdown. Fantastic. I would like to point out though, I'm gonna do a public health warning. If you have any cardiac issues, do not become a Rams fan. If you have any high blood pressure issues, do not become a Broncos fan. If you have any depression issues, do not become a Saints fan. If you have diabetes, don't become a Rams fan. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, All right, fair. (laughs) But there was a few few things in this game that uh, I'd like to touch on. And I would would approach it from a neutral, or ask you guys from a neutral point of view, uh, what you think. Because Anthony Richardson is, obviously he's quite, he's a high prospect, he's a very high prospect. He's a very good uh, on the run quarterback, he can get out the pocket really well. He can run when like his, his receivers are covered, but he wasn't showing much throwing ability in this game whatsoever. He was missing players. He it, where the, the throws were too high, the throws were just not accurate whatsoever. 
this is the fourth pick in the draft. Every year, there seem, when there's a few quarterbacks taken at the top of the draft, there seems to be at least one quarterback where you just think, ooh, that's not a good play. Ooh, that's, that's a very inaccurate thing. Anthony Richardson was showing that in this game. And, I mean, the stats do back up that claim as well. He was 11 or 25. He threw a couple of bombs. He, they just weren't always accurate. <laughs> what was the problem? So I don't know what what you would, or either you would say about that. Do you think? Do you think Anthony Richardson is? Dare I say it? This year's Justin Fields. That's yeah. I don't agree with that at all. Um, I think Neil sort of mentioned that it, when he was coming out of college, in terms of his completion percentage, was a worry. But the fact he's throwing eleven completed passes for two hundred yards to. I've already kind of spoken about a, a nothing wide receiver room. I mean, they're all kind of, most of their throws were all like 30, 35, 38, 22. You know, he's having to kind of make magic out of nothing. Um, I think he is very dynamic on the, the ground. Um, I've got a lot more faith in Anthony Richardson than I do Justin Fields. I think he just needs weapons around him and to stay healthy. That is my main worry for him. Yeah, what, I... Um... So I was just going to say one name. Jameis Winston? Do you see comparisons? Because Jameis Winston was throwing a lot and long. And, well, he's Definitely, now back d- up different sti- Totally different style of player. Um, I'd say more Cam Newton. More Cam Newton, James yeah, Winston was throwing, yeah. James Winston was throwing a lot. Anthony Richardson isn't throwing a lot. He's been told to kind of run about, you know, is your first one open, is your second open? No, okay. Took it down, go for a run, you know, Lamar Jackson-esque. And I suppose Lamar Jackson's probably a decent one because a lot of times early on in his career, he didn't have a great wide receiver room. He had that an elite tight end, but everyone else, it was kind of like, okay, this is their number one receiver is probably another team's number three. Yeah, I mean, listen, if you're going to throw in completions, do it 40 yards down the field. Yeah, enough mm-hmm. enough for the checkdowns. Okay, because I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring checkdowns up later on because there's something that has been bugging me, but I'll, I won't talk about it now. Mm. But yeah, I, he's, he's, he's having to make big throws. Um, I mean, you, you look at his at his uh, stat line that there, I mean, he threw for 200 yards. No interceptions. No interceptions. Two touchdowns. The, the guy played really well. Now, I was a bit of a detractor of Anthony Richardson coming in because... As you mentioned, Jake, you know, I was looking at his college stats, very small sample size. His completion percentage wasn't great. But as I already mentioned, I don't really watch college football. So I'm really just going by the stats and looking at what, you know, you look at the percentage completion, you know, touchdown percentage, adjusted net yards per attempt, all that stuff. And when you've got such a small sample size, it's very difficult to gauge what he's going to be like. So I didn't know what Richardson was going to look like coming uh, into the NFL. I have to say, I'm pretty impressed with him. I, I do. I'm much more impressed with Anthony Richardson than I am with, sorry, Desmond Ritter. You know, I mean, he, you know, Ritter's been in the league for two years and he just looks terrible. Anthony Richardson is a rookie, comes in, and there's flashes. There's flashes of absolute brilliance in there. Um, Justin Fields just can't play quarterback at the NFL level. I've, I've made up my mind on that. But we'll talk about that later. Um, <laughs> oh, yes, we will. We'll talk about that later. So, gentlemen, we're going to move on. 
We're going to move on, and it's another NFC matchup. It's the Minnesota Vikings against the Carolina Panthers at Bank of America Stadium in front of 72,842 yards. Watched the uh, Minnesota Vikings fall uh, 10-0 down to the Panthers before they started pulling it back. They sort of remembered that Justin Jefferson exists, so that's good. Um, and the Vikings came away with a win, 21-13 in this one. All the scoring was done by the third quarter. Um, from a neutral point of view, this wasn't a great game to watch. Uh, Dave, take it away, Vikings, Panthers. Well, I think this has become the Dave podcast. I'm quite happy with this, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> just just in the beginning, don't worry. We're gonna, yeah, Dave's yeah, going to yeah, get his yeah. shot later on. Okay, all right. Well, trying to get you uh, yes, so this game... Was a re- was a weird game. I'll be I'll be completely honest. I the Matson turned up. That this was his first game that I thought he was. He looked really good. Uh, he 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 got he didn't get a touchdown. He got ninety five yards. Uh, they went back to the run game and yeah, he looked really good. Uh, so did Cam Akers very sadly, uh, which is which was really irritating when watching this game. Uh, he got five carries and you know what? He got a first down. Nearly every single run, so that was frustrating. Um, That's because Cam Akers is a good player. I told you this, right? He wouldn't right, believe me. That you, this, this is this is you did not watch this game like I did, so you just you get back get that. I don't know. There's a mute button and you can sit on it. So that's the best advice I can give you right now. But I want to highlight one particular play, and that particular play was Kirk Cousins with one of the most ridiculously bad decisions he's ever taken in his career. Okay, so Kirk Cousins threw for two interceptions in this game, which is not very Kirk Cousins-like. However, that first interception, he overthrew uh, his tight end. Uh, and uh, No, no, sorry, no. I, what, what he actually did was that he threw it, the defensive back stepped up, took the ball, there was only one man to beat, Kirk Cousins, chasing him down. Uh, he's never run that fast in his life, has Kirk Cousins. However, another defensive back, I think it was, it might have been a linebacker, but a very fast linebacker for it was, came in for Cousins, and Cousins got his just punishment for that bad throw and took him out. Which, of course, block on block is fair, but yeah, that was that was completely i mean it, it was taking something from the 70s the way kirk cousins impacted you know law newton's laws were very much in in vision on that one um kirk cousins had a really poor game but he barely threw the ball the vikings barely had the ball it felt like the the panthers game management was fantastic bryce young was fantastic i'll talk i'm going to talk about him more later on at the end of the show he's going to be involved um but yes, the Panthers somehow did not win this game. I think it's just come a bit of inexperience from Bryce Young, uh, just waiting a few seconds too long in the in the pocket. They were brilliant at the start of the first quarter and the start of the third quarter in the run game, and then just kept putting the ball in Bryce Young's hand. Of course, the Vikings just kept pressing him, and it's just not fair if you're a rookie quarterback with that amount of big 290, 300-pound guys coming at you but uh five sacks and i'm pretty sure he's gonna be bruised today so i don't know how the vikings won justin jefferson magnificent two touchdowns very easily done very well done as well to him harrison smith was my player of the game absolute immense he had three sacks they just 
every time he was coming, they just couldn't block him whatsoever. And uh, Bryce Young will be so happy to see the back of him. So Vikings lucky to win. Panthers not sure how they won or how they didn't win. And yeah, the Harrison Smith is one of the best safeties in the entire league. Well said indeed. Uh, Jake, did you have anything to add to this one? Yeah, no, I highlighted the uh, same as Dave, the 22 for 135 rush um, for the Vikings over six yards of rush, make the change, a nice change for them. Um, similar to Dave, how they won whilst going one of eight on third down conversions is impressive. Uh, and then, yeah, Harrison Smith became the only player in NFL history to have 14 tackles, three sacks, and a forced fumble in a single game. He's been underrated uh, for many years. Um Boy, does he show up when the Vikings need him. Also, can I just point out as well, a little, a little stat from the game, as Jake was saying about a nice stat there, but this is the first time since 2010 that the Panthers have gone 0-4 the start of the season. And the other thing was that the Vikings have just avoided going 0-4 for the first time since 2011. So it was basically garbage beat garbage again. So that was <laughs> that's a, a lovely uh, headline for this game. Oh, my word. Uh, right, so we are going to move on, gentlemen, and we are going to Houston, where the Pittsburgh Steelers travel to take on the Houston Texans at NRG Stadium in front of 71,399 people. And I'm sure the Pittsburgh fans are thinking, hey, this will be all right, we can take the Texans. No, no, they couldn't. Texans absolutely beat the snot out of them, 30-6. to 6. Jake McGee, what did you make of this one? It's a good week for someone who believed in the Texans all along. But uh, it's another week, another clean jersey for impressive rookie CJ Stroud. Uh, 16 of 30, 306 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions, zero sacks. Um, he had 11 sacks, or, or, or was sacked 11 times in the first two games, nothing since. Uh, he is still yet to throw an interception. 151 pass attempts and counting. That shatters Warren Moon's long-standing record for pass attempts without an interception to start an NFL career. He had 103. Um, again, focusing on the Texans, uh, Nico Collins continues to impress. He went 7 for 168 with two touchdowns. And now, sadly, focusing on the, the Steelers. Um, going for a fourth and one from shotgun. Very interesting decision. Uh, down 23-6 with 10 minutes left on 4th and 2, and they punt the ball away. Very interesting decision. Maybe the only offensive coordinator under more fire than the Saints offensive coordinator is Matt Canada. How is he still employed? Um, just, it was bad last year. It was good in the preseason, so everyone seemed to forget about it, and now it's back to being bad. And I was waiting Monday just surely it's going to be on Twitter that he is no longer employed. But as far as I'm aware, he's still employed, so fair play. Um, but we did get to see in positive news for the Steelers, or actually kind of bad news, because uh, Pickett went down with a bad-looking knee injury. Uh, left knee bone bruise looks like he's going to be okay, and he actually expects to play. But that did mean we got to see the MVP, who went 3 of 5, 18 yards, and had a better passer rating. Um, so I was hoping in a horrible way that we were going to see the MVP for a few weeks, but Pickett looks like he's going to tough out and play through it. Um, maybe because of the way the Steelers' offense has been playing and how he's been playing, if he was sat nursing an injury, could he lose his job? Highly possible. So I don't blame him for, for toughing out and playing through it. 
I suspect we will see the MVP at uh, some point this season now. Yeah, I, I, I fully expect to see Trubisky. I fully expect it. I, I can't see Kenny Pickett, unless he really, really improves his game. Uh, I, I, just, I just can't see it at all. That, that him completing the whole season um so yeah i think so that's uh dave did you have anything to add to jakes well i think the steelers should have um focused more on their run game to be honest I, and I, that, that's not any dig at uh pick or trubisky because Najee harris has suddenly started playing a lot better now uh he, he managed to get 71 yards but he only had 14 carries uh he also had a big reception as well for 32 yards but it was quite good um yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of worried about the Steelers. Usually, they, you know, they have close games. That, that's what we, we've come to expect from the Steelers, particularly last year. Uh, this year, maybe not so much, but the Texans have really come on. They, they, they're looking really good, particularly on offense. Um, Nico Collins, a fantastic game, 168 yards and two touchdowns. That just brilliant. Um, and even Damian Pierce did well uh, in the run game for them. I also noted that uh, Devin Singletree got a completion as well, the running back. So that was quite nice to see. But yeah, CJ Stroud, um, Bryce Young, they're both doing very well, the top two picks. Um, you know, obviously we wish them all the best. But yeah, I, I, what I want to see though, I want, I want to see more Tank Dell. Like, just a fantastic name. I love Tank Dell, the, the Houston. He's second string running back uh, for Houston. But yeah, uh, there's a lot of work to be done in Pittsburgh. So. Oh, I think Minka Fitzpatrick is pretty much on his own in the tackling game. We've got TJ Watt up front, Minka Fitzpatrick, and not a whole lot else. Now, talking about uh, running backs completing passes, we're going to move on. We come to Nissan Stadium, where the Cincinnati Bengals are taking on the Tennessee Titans in front of 68,951 fans, and this one was over at halftime. Uh, Derek Henry in the second uh, quarter, had a 29-yard touchdown run. It was a great touchdown run by Derrick Henry. Um, and he also threw a two-yard touchdown to Josh Weil in this game. Now, we already mentioned Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow was 20 of 30 for 165 yards. No touchdowns, no picks. He was sacked three times to 26. Um, he does not look like the Joe Burrow that we know. He just looks slower he looks uh, that is, you know, almost like his decision making isn't as quick. Everything seems to be slower. He's laboring somewhat, and you're waiting for him to sort of break out. But he, as we've already said, the man's playing hard, and we've seen this before from quarterbacks when they play hard, regardless of what the injury is, it's going to slow you down. And the Bengals really did not look great offensively in this game. Joe Mixon, 14 carries, 67 yards. Um, he had one one catch for nine yards. Joe Mixon is a great receiving back. One catch for nine yards. Um, for the wide receivers, Jamar Chase, he had seven catches for 73. Tyler Boyd, four for 26. And T. Higgins, two for 19. These are not the types of numbers that we've been associating with the, this Bengals offense over the past couple of years. They just look sluggish. They just look like they can't get it done. And, you know, hats off to Tennessee because they really did look good. I mean, Tannehill was just Tannehill. He did what Tannehill does. 18-25, 240 yards, one touchdown, one pick. 
He was sacked three times. Um, but, you know, Derek Henry, as I says, he's throwing touchdown passes. Uh, what are you going to do? You can't stop the man on the ground. And then uh, when he lines up uh, in the back, behind center, essentially, in the shotgun, he's throwing touchdowns. I mean, how do you even defend that? It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, I am going to throw it over to you quickly, uh, Jake. Did you see anything in this game that stood out for you? Because from a, a neutral point of view, once halftime happened, the, the second half was, it was just, Sort of backwards, forwards, nothing happened. There was one field goal for the rest of the game. But as I mentioned, Joe Burrow is playing injured. Do you think that they should just maybe, if he's not still not 100%, maybe just sit him for a week so he can get back? Maybe even think, do you know what? We might lose next week, but at least we know the following week we've got a guy at 100% and we can go on a mad tear to make it to the playoffs. What do you think? I think this is one of the teams that really should have invested in a, a backup quarterback. So I think if they had even a remotely well-known um, backup quarterback, sorry, Jake Browning, um, we wouldn't be seeing Joe Burrow. It's it's, it's affecting the decision-making as far as I'm aware, not just Joe Burrow, but the coach. Because that first drive, they went 11 plays all the way down the field, got to, I think it was the one-yard line, three-yard line, and kicked a field goal. And it's just like, go for it. You know, why are you not going for it? On the two minutes left in the first half, down 14, fourth and three, they punt it, and it goes straight for a touchback. It's just uninspiring. It's The Bengals were supposed to be one of these elite AFC teams, and they're frankly someone that I am not watching in, in the slightest, really. You, I've, you can't beat the Tennessee Titans, who I don't know how they're doing to, because having watched them a couple of times this year, they have been pretty stinking um so to get beat down by this team is is embarrassing i mean it, it is embarrassing the, the bengals are one and three we all thought they were going to be vying for the top of the division they look like the worst team in the afc north it's it's pretty poor what do you make of it i mean they're pushing for one of the worst teams in the afc you know that that's just the way they look right now but how often do we see joe burrow playing a full game only getting 165 yards it's it's and you know don't don't get any away from the Titans. The Titans did very well and and especially on defense in this game. Uh, but I I think my favorite quote from the entire game was the post match uh, interview that uh, Derrick Henry gave, uh, which he said, "Well, Peyton Manning had to show up again." So in re- reference to his one touchdown that he threw to the the rookie tight end. So uh, yeah, it's. Look, obviously, we I, I've said about Tannehill before. Tannehill is one of, is a very hot and cold uh, quarterback, and he most most of the time he's cold. Um, but he had a pretty relatively easy ride in this game, uh, and Joe Burrow was the complete opposite. Joe Burrow got sacked three times. He fumbled the ball. He, he's having a really tough time at the moment, and you need something. Something's very wrong, and it's yeah, just like, like you guys were saying, it's really affecting the play calling. It's affecting. Um, you you've got you've got a plan. You go into every match with a plan. You have to alter the plan because one guy is only what maybe sixty seventy percent fit. You, you, there's a reason the guys that you have a depth chart. It's the this is the entire reason. If you got someone that's either not fully healthy or not playing well, you go to the next guy on depth chart. What's the point in it? Yeah, because the the thing is with this Bengals team is that. Um, Across the board, right, now don't get me wrong, I think the Bengals probably have the best wide receiver group in the entire league. I, I honestly believe that. Um, with, with T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd and Jamar Chase, you could stack that up against anyone in the league. 
But they need someone to be able to throw them the ball. And if your quarterback's injured and you don't have, you don't need the best backup. You need a capable backup. And the defense isn't good enough to carry an anemic offense. It, it, do you know what it's, it's like? And I apologize for doing this. 2015 Denver Broncos. Peyton Manning played with uh, plantar fasciitis, looked absolutely horrendous. And yet the team went 7-2 and two in those first nine games because the defense was able to carry it. Good running game and a stellar defense. When Joe Burrow goes down, this negates the receiving group because if he can't throw the ball properly, then it doesn't matter who you've got out there. You can have Randy Moss, Terrell Owens and Jerry Rice. It doesn't matter if you can't get the ball to them. And their defense isn't that good. The running game has not performed as well as we expected it to. Joe Mixon has been fine. He's not been outstanding, which he would need to be to make up for for, for Joe Burrow not playing the way we expect Joe Burrow to play. Um, Jake, did you have uh, anything else you wanted to say about that? Well, just we've all mentioned it. The Derrick Henry um, pass. I don't know if you watch in detail, but they lined up with Derrick Henry going to throw it. Kind of, we've seen it before. I think he's like something like six or seven, and for like four touchdowns all the time. He's an elite quarterback. (laughs) (laughs) But they they called a timeout. The the Bengals saw it and went, "Hold on, hold on, hold on. We're not prepared for this. Called a timeout." But I and say, "Well, good timeout, but we're going to run the exact same play." And the Bengals still look surprised, and the guy was still wide open. It's like, well, you called a timeout because you knew this play was coming. That, that's a good decision. How do you then just think, okay, well, we called a timeout. They're not going to run it again. It, it just uh, The offense, like we say, is struggling, and the play calls are something. But even the, there's just something, something that seems wrong in Cincinnati. There is definitely, definitely something wrong in Cincinnati. Hopefully, they'll be able to right the ship because this team is too talented and should be really exciting to watch, but at the moment it's just turgid stuff uh, over there in Cincinnati. So we're going to move on, and we're going to move on to Louisiana, where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers took on the New Orleans Saints at Caesar Superdome in front of 70,003 people. You wonder why they didn't just like have the capacity at 70,000. They had to fit those three extra seats in, but fair play. Um, so... <laughs> The Tampa Bay Buccaneers unfortunately came in and um, gave the Saints a good old-fashioned beating, 26-9. to Jake, I'm going to put it to you. I'm not really going to say much about this because it's your team, but um, this Saints offense needs to do something. Jake, it's all yours. It's the fire, the offensive coordinator is what it needs to do. Uh, I will let you guys come in at the end and speak a bit more about the books because this is maybe one of my more biased um, reviews but uh, i will never understand them we've we've already spoke about it i kind of preempted it why pay a backup quarterback if you're going to persist and roll out a quarterback with a sprained ac joint on his throwing arm just ridiculous i mean i'm all for players toughing it out um but i'm not gonna lie when we were doing last week's show and i predicted the saints to win handily i was quite looking forward to a james winston Taysom hill kind of combination change up Maybe it gets some flowing. Instead, we just got a worse version of an already bad offense. Um, we've had 18 consecutive possessions without scoring a touchdown. Uh, the offense has more turnovers than touchdowns. The people that have scored those touchdowns, no offense, but it's Tony Jones twice, Jimmy Graham, who's about 56, and Rashid Shahid. 
um, who, who we just don't get the ball to enough as it is anyway. Good news, Alvin Kamara's back. Bad news, check down Merchant Derek Carr. 13 catches Alvin Kamara had for 33 yards. That's the fewest by a player with at least 13 catches. No surprise. The previous one was 71. It wasn't just slightly the fewest. It was half of the previous few. It's just, I'm so fed up. I'm so done with watching the Saints offense. Even the defense seems to be done with it because they didn't have a great game by all accounts. But I can't blame them and I won't blame them because when you've had to carry this team for now 16 quarters, I would be pretty fed up as well. But I do want to mention Antoine Winfield, who was just everywhere all game. He also was the one that forced the fumble on the, the goal line. He had nine tackles, a sack, two tackles for loss, a pass defense and a quarterback hit. He did it all. And Baker went 25-32, 246 yards, three touchdowns. Has proven this year, last year, multiple years, that he's just a very good, capable quarterback. And the Saints are not. Uh, the Saints don't have a good offensive coordinator. We threw a pass to a fullback, Adam Prentice, who wide open dropped it. So, of course, we finally get a turnover on our one-yard line. We didn't quite make it back as a touchback. And Antoine Winfield forces a fumble because we give the ball not to our quarterback, not to Alvin Kamara, not to Rashid Shee, not to Chris Olave, not to Mike Thomas. We give it back to Adam Prentice, who fumbles the ball. Fire Pete Carmichael. Fire Pete Carmichael. I echo your sentiment there, Jake. This was appalling. The, the offense by the Saints, the play calling, the execution was absolutely dire in this game. Um, taking nothing away from, from the Buccaneers, Buccaneers played well. But, you know, they played well as an NFL team was supposed to and they won the game. But it shouldn't have been that easy for them to win this game uh, because the Saints just didn't turn up. And I mentioned checkdowns earlier. This was one of the games I was talking about. I am sick to death of teams checking down on third down. And uh, it drives me mad when you either have inside draw plays on third and 15 or a check down five yards short of the sticks. Every single third down. And you're just thinking, what are you doing? Now, you mentioned some names there, Jake. You've got Alvin Kamara, Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, and Rashid Shahid. Those are four dynamic players. Get the ball into their hands where they can use it. Um, the, the, the fullback Prentice, I'm, I'm with you. I, was, I, I didn't watch this game at the time. I watched it after the fact. And I, I, I don't remember the last time I saw an offense in New Orleans, which for you know the best part of 15 years has had one of the best offenses in the entire NFL, um, non-withstanding quarterback injuries. But as you said, you know, your quarterback's injured. Get him out of there. Put in the guy who was playing last year until he got injured. It's just, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I looked at the, the Bucks team. Baker Mayfield played fantastic in this game. He only had seven incompletions on 32 attempts. Three touchdowns. He did have one pick. And what I did notice about Mayfield, um, he's moving really well in the pocket. He's avoiding pass rushers. He's creating space and creating opportunities for his uh, receivers. And he, he looks so good. Um, Dave, we'll put it to you. Buck Saints, what did you think? 
Um, yeah, I mean, when you're when you're at home, uh, you don't expect your offense to only throw for 127 yards, and that's what Derek Carr threw for, despite 23 completions. Now, my quick maths uh, makes that something along the lines of six yards per catch. Now, when you're throwing the ball through the air, that's ridiculous as it is. Um, Chris Olave targeted six times, and he was one reception for four four yards. It's, it's not good enough. I mean, I, that, I, I was going to bring up the Alvin Kamara stat and ask Jake about it, but uh, we've only... We, I think we've pretty much covered it. I don't want to set Jake off again. Um but yeah, Baker loves Chris Godwin. What was my main take from it? He, Chris Godwin, 114 yards, eight receptions, um, and he had 11 targets as well. Mike Evans, every time he was targeted, he caught the ball. Uh, Rashad White, every time he was targeted, he caught the ball. Devin Thompson, uh, Tompkins as well. But yeah, Antoine Winfield, Derek Carr's going to be having nightmares about him. Uh, yeah, it, it was a really poor performance. Yeah, yeah, there were some sort of flashes from Michael, Michael Thomas. Like, I, it's good to see him playing again. That's pretty much the only kind of positive I had from it. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't want to go into it too much. But I think the, the there wasn't a whole lot of bright spots. The only thing was it was good to see uh, Alan Kamara back, and obviously Michael Thomas still coming back. But that's it. It's really poor and. I think I, I think another team should be looking at their backup quarterback. Why are they paying him if he's not going to be playing when he needs to be playing? So, um, yeah, it's it could be a long season in New Orleans this year. The only good news for the Saints is the schedule is is so poor that somehow we'll still manage to probably go five hundred at worst. But you mentioned two thousand and five, and that triggered something in me. Um, the Saints have scored twenty one or fewer points. In nine consecutive games, dating to last season, uh, that matched the Bears for the longest streak in the NFL. Well, we're now on 10, and the Bears broke their streak. This is the longest run of offensive, uh, well, the longest run of the Saints offense since 2005, pre-Drew Brees and Sean Payton. So that's the historic bad offense that is going on in New Orleans at the moment. It's sad to see. It really is. Especially because, you know, again, Dave, you mentioned it there. The talent's there. Uh-huh. The players are there. But it, they're not being utilised properly. Whether it's the play calling, whether it's the injury to the quarterback, whether it's a combination, which I think it actually is a combination, um, they need to sort something out in New Orleans. Uh, moving on, gentlemen, we come to the AFC North. The Baltimore Ravens travel to Cleveland to take on the Browns at Cleveland Browns Stadium. That's a stupid name for a stadium. Um, the attendance, 67,000. Sorry, what was that? I'm very appropriate for the team. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. The attendance is 67,919, and they watched a Cleveland Browns team that did not have Deshaun Watson playing, so most people were happy about that, I think, throughout the league. Um, and the Ravens uh, came in and just absolutely smashed the Browns 28-3. to um, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, uh, DTR, as they've been calling him, the quarterback, had no chance in this game. He was being chased around all over the field. Um, 19-36, 121 yards, three picks. He sacked four times in this game. It was really, really bad for them. Uh, Jake, I'll put it to you. Browns, Ravens, what did you make of this one? 
Yeah, it was incredibly one-sided. Uh, in the second half, the Browns managed 10 yards rushing. Uh, in total, that offense had 166, but at least a quarter, more than a quarter of that came in garbage time. The Ravens were missing two wide receivers, a left tackle who was shortly joined by a right tackle. Their already thin secondary lost two more defensive backs, and none of it seemed to matter. The Ravens and Lamar trudged on. He went 15 of 19, very steady numbers, 186 yards, two touchdowns, had nine rushes for 27 yards, and two touchdowns just back to prime Lamar, taking care of the ball, running if it's not open, not wasting the ball. Very bad news for the Browns. Miles Garrett left in a boot after a left foot injury, uh, but it's actually expected to be okay following the bye week. So there's a few times um, I will mention it. There's a, All the teams that are on the bye all seemingly got kind of screwed over by having a week five bye. Turned out a lot of them are really thankful for it with the amount of injuries they have at the moment. So it's good for the Browns. They'll get Miles Garrett back. Hopefully they'll get their quarterback back. And you mentioned DTR. He looked like a fifth-round rookie. Asked to play on short notice. He went 19 of 36, 121 yards, three interceptions. Hard to really blame the fella. You're going against a division rival, a good defense on very short notice. So I won't read too much into it, but just a, a bit of a, a crash back to reality for the Browns. Yeah, he, he didn't have much of a chance against that defense at all. He really just looked so out of his out of his depth. And you know, Watson I, I, was throwing before the game. They was you know they they weren't sure if he was going to play, so he would have had little to no notice. Yeah, it's just it, you you can't do that to a young guy like that. I mean, we're here. We are talking about you know get your get your backups in, not like that. Not last second thrown into a game, but only only the Browns would do that. My goodness! Um, and Dave, before I put it over to you, um, Pierre Strong actually looked pretty good rushing the ball, but they really, really miss Nick Chubb. I mean, Kareem Hunt was at five carries, twelve yards, was it the longest of six? Dave, what did you think of this? Yeah, I mean, Cleveland really do rely on the run quite a lot. It didn't really get going, but, you know, the whole offense didn't really get going, to be honest. And it, it, you can't blame Duran Thompson-Robinson for that, I don't think. So I think it'd be unfair. Uh, I did... I'm really questioning Elijah Moore, though. Elijah Moore had a very particular play in this uh, where the ball, the ball got given to him and he ran in the wrong direction and ended up with a 20-yard loss. Uh, on that one particular play, uh, which is not something you should be doing in the league. You, you tend not to run the wrong way, which I, I'd like to, I, I personally like to ask Elijah Moore why that he did that. Um, I don't know if it was overconfidence or whatnot, but I think the whole game for the Browns was just a bit of a calamity, to be honest. Um, from what I saw, they were lucky to get three points. Let's just be a bit, a bit brutally honest there. Um, but, do you know what? I I know there was uh, some uh, you know some great plays from the Ravens. They were just quite clinical. But I'd like to give a standout for Roquan Smith, who just seemed to be everywhere in this game. He he was uh, ten, 10 total tackles, but at the same time, yeah, he got a couple pressures in when he did come, and he just he looks the part uh, that he used to play for the Bears. So yeah, big shout out for Roquan Smith here. That was a lovely segue, Dave. Roquan Smith. Oh, I wonder what's next. <laughs> Roquan Smith used to play for the Bears. 
So, <laughs> moving to Chicago. The Denver Broncos travelled to Soldier Field to take on the Bears in front of 62,220 people who watched a man who, and I cannot stress this enough, cannot play quarterback at the NFL level look like the greatest quarterback of all time. I'm going to cast your minds back, gentlemen, to the beginning of this podcast. When I said, wow, maybe this Miami Dolphins offense is the best offense of all time, putting up 70 points on the Broncos uh, and that defense. No, they weren't. It shows you how bad this Broncos defense is. Because I've got a stat here for you. This is a, this is a bonus stat, okay? At the end of three quarters in this game, because I haven't spoken about the final score yet, at the end of three quarters in this game, Justin Fields, who is generally considered over the past couple of years to be the poorest thrower of the ball in the entire NFL, and I'm that's not an exaggeration, he's like the worst throwing quarterback in the entire league. There's nobody worse than Justin Fields. Here are his stats after three quarters of this game. 23 of 24, 282 yards, four touchdowns, and that one incompletion was a Hail Mary at the end of the first half. Justin Fields was perfect in this game. And I'm going to tell you why. Cole Komet... Do you remember, we, we spoke about Cole Komet uh, when um, Brian McGrath from Chicago was on the podcast. And, we mm-hmm. sp- and he was talking about the signed Cole Komet to the contract and he's happy to be there because he's a really good tight end. He may be the only weapon they actually have in Chicago. The Broncos forgot he existed because he was so wide open. I'm talking, you could have driven a Boeing 747 through the holes in this Broncos defense that made Justin Fields look like the greatest quarterback of all time. This was one of of the worst defensive performances through three quarters I have ever seen. And I'm including the Miami game. I'm including the Miami game. This was appalling because I know that Tua can throw the ball. I know that he's a good quarterback. I know that Justin Fields is a really bad quarterback, and yet they made him look five times better than Tua. They made him look five times better than Patrick Mahomes. He was, with the exception of a Hail Mary, perfect through three quarters. 282 yards, four touchdowns. Perfect. If it hadn't been that Hail Mary, he would have had a 100% completion percentage. That's unheard of. Anyway, I just wanted to get that off my chest. The Bears jumped out to a 28-7 lead in this game, and as you can imagine, gentlemen, I was not happy at this point. I was very unhappy with the Bears leading 28-7. Russell Wilson was playing fine. You know, the Bronx were moving the ball. He had a touchdown pass. Jaleel McLaughlin looks absolutely amazing. Javonte Williams left the game with an injury. Um, Jaleel McLaughlin, the rookie, just looks spectacular. Marvin Mims had one issue uh, trying to catch a punt in the sun. He totally missed it, bounced off his helmet, uh, but he he managed to gather back in. He had a big uh, catch in this game. Uh, The Broncos completed a 21-point comeback 
Two weeks after surrendering an 18-point lead to the Washington Commanders, they completed 21 points. Because in the fourth quarter of this game, something happened. Something happened. The defense all of a sudden were able to cover receivers. The defense all of a sudden were getting pressure on Justin Fields. Um, Russell Wilson was able to make completions. The Broncos receivers were getting open, which they weren't really doing through the first three quarters. Although they were moving the ball, it, it wasn't great. And the Broncos came back and won this game 31-28. Now, I'll tell you the reason that they won this game. Chicago Bears coaches. Matt Eberflus. Brian, if you're listening, I know you're a Bears fan. And so, of course, is... Um, Ben Isaacs. Callum. And Callum. Callum. I forgot about Callum. Yeah. Sorry, Callum. Matt Eberflus needs to be fired for that one decision of just... At, at, so, hang on. At the beginning of the game, Fort Bears opening drive, they got fourth and inches and they punt it. You're 0-3, just go for it. It's fourth and inches. Just go for it. Tied at 28 with two minutes to go in the game, with the ball on the Broncos' 30-yard line, fourth and one, instead of just kicking the field goal, they go for it, but they don't go for it under centre. Justin Fields is a big guy. We know he can run. We know he can push defenders backwards. He goes shotgun. They run a draw play. It gets stuffed. The Broncos then go down, kick a field goal, win the game. It was It was insanity. Eberflus is incompetent. He has got no idea of how to manage the, the, the decisions that he's making at the end of this game. You could have taken a monkey and popped him on the sidelines. He'd have drawn up a better play call than that. That was appalling decision from Matt Eberflus. The Broncos had no business winning this game. Don't get me wrong. I'm happy they did. But unfortunately, I think it means Vance Joseph keeps his job for another week, which he shouldn't, because his defense is terrible, absolutely horrendous. And I'm, I just, I, I should be happier than I am. I'm glad the team won. Um, they shouldn't have won in this way because they had no business to win the game. They should have lost this game by 14 points, but they didn't. The defense stepped up. Nick Bonito absolutely clobbered. Justin Fields and Jonathan Cooper, who was Justin Fields' roommate at Ohio, uh, took the ball and returned it for a touchdown. Um, Corton Sutton had a touchdown catch in this game. Uh, Brandon Johnson had a touchdown catch in this game. Russell Wilson, again, he, you know, he looked good. But um, Dave, I'll put it to you first. Mm-hmm. What did you did you watch this game? Uh, if you did, what did you make of it? Because it was it was backwards and forwards, but. Again, the decision by Matt Eberflus to not kick the field goal, just, I I was absolutely flabbergasted. I was delighted, but I imagine that Brian, Ben and Callum were absolutely furious at that decision not to just kick the field goal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I didn't watch it live because the Rams game was on at the same time, so I did watch that one. Um, But I watched it in 40. Now, you made a bold prediction uh, at, at about, I think it was uh, early in the second quarter, you made a, a bold prediction to the group chat about DJ Moore that he was going to go for 200 yards. Now, that could have quite easily 
have happened in this one. He ended up going for 131, but I could I could feel the tears that came with that message at the same time. So I, I, I just before I say anything about the game, I'd like to send my condolences to the ears of Mrs. Neosa because those have probably just been absolutely. They, uh, she she is very she is a terrific human being. And takes one for the team, okay? Without having to listen to what must have been said while on our holiday and watching these games. But yes, so there's actually um, there's a, been a bit of a fallout uh, from what's going on at the Broncos uh, on X Twitter, uh, as we've been calling it recently. Um, Philip Lindsay, one of your favourite players. Uh, um, from, never from, fumbled. Never fumbled, exactly. Mr. Colorado. He, Mr. Colorado, well, he put out a tweet where he said, where are where are the receivers? All that money out there to be no-shows, right? Now, that was when he was getting frustrated early on. Uh, and Jerry Judy quoted that tweet. Uh, I, I, more in frustration, I think, just in general about the, the situation. Uh, and he said, glad you got to watch the game from the crib. So... A bit oh. of a dig there uh, oh. between, a, a, I'd say, a fan favourite, or two fan favourites, actually. They are two fan favourites, uh, yeah. Kind of, kind of turning on each other a bit. And, um, yeah, there's there's not a whole lot of um, friendliness going on. I think it, the, the pressure has been felt in Denver, obviously with Sean Payton coming in. Um, but also, uh, Philip Lindsay did uh, reply back as well. Um, saying that, so you're mad at me because you're getting paid all that money to catch a cu- couple balls, huh? And yeah, the, this is it. It got a little bit childish, but the, I, I did make a note of something. I said it to you earlier today, actually, that I think not only has Sean Payton traded the Saints for Denver, but he's traded the defense of. Shall we say, yeah, I'd say he's traded the Saints defense last year for this year to come to Denver with him, but he's also traded the offenses. So Denver's offense is getting much better. Saints, not so much. So there's some, uh, there's a lot of differences uh, with Sean Payton, but he's brought the offense, but his defensive coordinator is completely annihilating the benefits of that. But here's the thing. Sean Payton was brought in. And I think we can all agree on this. And Jake, I'll put it to you in a second. Sean Payton was brought in to fix the offense because the offense was yeah. the worst in the NFL by a mile. Like the worst. Rock bottom of the league. 32nd in yards, 32nd in points, 32nd in every, you know, first downs. They had more penalties than anyone else. And Sean Payton has done that. I don't think anyone expected this defense to be... If we had last year's defense... We'd be 4-0. Uh, easily. Easily. If Ejiro Evero's defense was there, Bronx would be 4-0 with this offense. But it's just, we've, we've totally flipped. <laughs> we've, we've totally flipped. Russell Wilson's second in the NFL with touchdown passes. Mm-hmm. He's playing really, really well. We've, we've, we've still had injuries to receivers and stuff like that, but we've totally overcome that. The rookies, uh, the rookie, Marvin Mims is a great second-year man. Brandon Johnson stepped up. Uh, Cortland Sutton seems back to his old self. Jerry Judy's making plays. Uh, Jaleel McLaughlin, as I said, the running back, he's making plays. They're looking so much better. But the defense is just killing us. Jake, um, please shut me up. 
I think don't put him, but I've got is Julio McLaughlin. He is that that is Darren Sproles. He that is the Sean Payton player. He's bringing in these players because he likes them. Tracon Smith just signed to your practice squad. You know he will fix the offense. He does have to take some responsibility. He chose bringing Vance Joseph. That was his decision, um, and it's going to be his decision soon to fire him and replace him, and hopefully get it right this time. Because, like you say, you can't have a good offense and a terrible defense. You need to have at least a competent defense if you're going to have, you know, if that's the identity you're going to go with. If you're going to focus on the offense because he's an offensive coordinator, you need to have someone to run that defense. You see it a lot of times now where the head coach is a offensive guru, a young guy, and they bring in probably a former head coach who's a great defensive coordinator, someone like Dennis Allen, which is what Champaign did at New Orleans, and it worked. And now both teams are are reaping the the non-benefits of it. So we've obviously now hired Dennis Allen to be a head coach, and it's not working out. And same for Champagne. He needs to get a better defensive coordinator, and I think that will come. And I'm really glad you brought on the, the Aberflus, um situation. I've never seen a team basically pass on a 42-yard field goal to take the lead. Like I'm all for analytics and going for the win, but you're passing on the lead. It's not like you were behind and they're, they're fighting. They passed on winning the game, basically. It was bizarre. And even more bizarre was... How they've handled this Claypool situation that's going on. Matt Eberflew said oh, it was his decision. He's not here because he doesn't want to be here. And then the GM came out and said, no, it was our decision. We're, like, we're basically done with him, with the comments he's made and his attitude. And he's basically a cancer to the, to the locker room, which is all things we already knew. Um, they traded the 32nd overall pick for this when everybody knew this. So that's bad enough. But the GM and the head coach aren't even on the same page. And then he had to have a press conference and basically go back on himself and be like, yeah, yeah, we told him um, to, to not turn up this uh, today or not this week and he's not involved in the game and we're going to try and trade him. Like, well, no one's going to trade for him when you're saying all this. And that GM and the head coach aren't even on the same page. Yeah. Chicago Bears is a dumpster fire. Oh, it's absolute amateur out over there. They don't, if they're not even talking to each other behind closed doors, then, you know, what chance have you got? Um, I, I just... I don't know, this this Bears team, I like the Bears as a franchise. And, you know, every now and again we bring up random stats about the Bears and, you know, never had a 4,000-yard passer and they were like the, the, the worst receivers of all time. You know, we just constantly bring this up with the Bears and the Bears. And it's almost like a running joke. But I like the franchise, but they keep doing things. And you're like, what are you doing? There's no need. They should have won this game Easily. Easily. And that's just a testament to how bad the Broncos have looked. Anyway, not going to go there again. Gentlemen, we are going to move on. Oh, yes, we are. We are moving to Highmark Stadium, where the Miami Dolphins travel to New York to take on the Buffalo Bills. And in front of 70,881 eager, expectant fans waiting to see an absolute shootout for the ages. No, Buffalo Bills absolutely creamed the Dolphins in this one, 48-20. Now, a couple of things in this game. Just a couple. Dave, I am going to put it over to you to talk about it, but I just want to get this sort of off my chest. Josh Allen looked incredible in this game. And 
Vic Fangio probably had an aneurysm in the box watching his team, his defensive players, attempting to tackle Stefan Diggs and just failing so badly. <laughs> it was horrendous. Um, the Bills, Dolphins, Dave, take it away. I mean, where do you want to start? Because this was just unreal uh, from from Josh Allen. I don't, I don't recall a game where I've seen him better. To be honest, and uh, I mean, I mean, just to give you an idea of some of some of the stats from the game, he was twenty-one and twenty-five for three hundred and twenty yards, four touchdowns, no picks whatsoever. Um, the, you know, the Dolphins didn't play bad. The Bills were just better. You know, they 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 just they they went out and they played to win. The Dolphins were playing catch up from the start. Um, the Bills scored a touchdown in every single quarter. Uh, which was quite impressive. They got two in the first, they got two in the second, they got one in the third and one in the fourth. So that was good for them. Um, I, I, I think there, there, was, there was a couple of things that I did pick up, though, and it's penalties. Penalties were, the main, were one of the main things that I picked up on in this one. Um, there was a lot of offside penalties on both sides uh, in this one. Um, the, uh, there, there was... Just needless ones from both teams, but mostly from the Dolphins. They had eight penalties in the game, and that cost them 98 yards, which is near the length of the entire pitch. That's not going to help you whatsoever. Um, third and fourth down efficiency from Miami was really poor. Uh, Tua was sacked four times. The offensive line were failing. But, um, yeah, it, it just Stefan Diggs was just next level and they just could not contain him whatsoever uh we obviously we saw Jalen Waddle he was active enough but no kind of standout plays Braxton Barrios was fantastic for the Dolphins and just yeah you um the the the, James Cook Latavius Murray were coming in Latavius Murray got one good run aside from that they didn't really need the run game to be honest at Buffalo because Josh Allen was just invincible. Let's be honest. I think if I, I I've noted down in my uh, in, in my notes that he had a first half passer rating of one hundred and fifty one. That's just astronomical. That, that's that's ridiculous. Almost as good as Justin Fields' first half. I was going to say he, look, he looked like a, a prime Justin Fields at that moment in time. You thought he was uh, playing the Broncos the way he looked. Oh, it was you know it was almost painful, but. Um, yeah, Raheem Mostert looks really good. I I like I liked Raheem Mostert when he did uh, get the ball, except when he was running. You know, he, he he's he's a running back first, but when he was catching the ball, he seemed to really get uh, some space as well. So he he had a decent game aside from the actual running part of it. Um, but yeah, it was just the Bills just making sure the Dolphins know who's on top who has been on top for the last few years and making sure they know their place. So there's still work to do in Miami. Um, a couple fumbles here and there as well. Most are uh, lost one, uh, two are lost one, but in defense, it was pretty much the Matt Milano show. It was just everywhere. It seemed to be making tackles left, right and center. Uh, Ed Oliver had a fantastic game and Greg Russo uh, managed to get two sacks for the Bills. But um, yeah, it was... Uh, <sighs> yeah, it was a good one. All neutrals should should watch this game back. And uh, just a, a shout out as well to Micah Hyde because he managed to uh, pick off Tua uh, after Tua basically just overthrew 
uh, the tight ends. So, yeah, massive, massive game for him there as well. Yeah, Josh Allen looked amazing. He just needs to be this consistent, and the Super Bowl is there for him. So, Jake, uh, we'll throw it over to you. Um, Josh Allen indeed did look amazing. I really look like they put that week one loss behind them. What did you make of this? Yeah, it was. A, uh, feels like a, a completely different season. The difference in week one to week four in Josh Allen and just the Bills' offense themselves. The only kind of notes I had that Dave didn't touch on, or, or I can I kind of add to, is he had as many incompletions as touchdowns, which is always very nice if your quarterback does that. And then for the Dolphins, that like they've proven they're a great offense. They've proven they're a team to be taken serious. But their defense is going to have to get better down the stretch if they want to make noise come. 2024, you know, we're talking January, February time. If they want to be serious contenders, that defense is really going to have to step up. Yeah, because they are going to have to. If they if they want to get to the Super Bowl, which they're capable of it. We know the Dolphins are capable. They've got the talent. But if they're going to get to the Super Bowl, chances are they will have to face either Buffalo or Kansas City. And those are the high-powered offenses they need to be able to Stop. So moving on, gentlemen, we then go to the Washington Commanders and the Philadelphia Eagles at Lincoln Financial Field. And I'll be honest with you, I thought the Commanders were going to win this one in front of 69,879 people. But the Eagles came away, sneaked it right at the end of the field goal, 34-31 to in overtime, Jake Elliott with a 54-yard field goal. He had um, four field goals on the day, 41, 47, 36, and that uh, aforementioned 54-yarder. Now, the thing with this game was that Sam Howell again looks good. And I don't know what it is that I, when, you know, prior to the season, I thought Sam Howell's not going to be any good. He's not going to be. He is. He is playing really, really well. But they weren't able to overcome uh, Jalen Hurts, 25-37, 319 yards, two touchdowns. But here's the thing with Sam Howell. Sacked five times. He has now been sacked 24 times in four games. Six sacks. David Parr numbers. Oh, it's just, I mean, he's been sacked more than Daniel Jones, who was sacked 11 times this week. I mean, what does that tell you? It's it's utterly, utterly bizarre. Um, but we'll touch on that later. So, yeah, the, the, I was going to say the Redskins. The Commanders actually looked pretty good in this game. Sam Howell, as I say, um, looked really, really good. The running game, Brian Robinson Jr., 14 for 45 yards, and he had a touchdown. That was pretty nice. Um, Terry McLaurin uh, had eight catches for 86 yards. There was also the touchdown pass to Jahan Dotson. This Commanders team looks sneaky. They look really sneaky good, and I've got a funny feeling they're two and two in this one. They could uh, in the season, I should say, they could easily be three and one. Do we think maybe the Commanders might be the surprise team uh, in the NFC East? There's always one team that sort of jumps up. The Commanders actually look really, really quite good in this one. Um, Jake, we'll put it to you first. What do, what do you think of the Commanders? Do you think they can try and make a push for a wild card spot? It's very possible in this NFC and the NFC East itself. I think the surprise NFC East team is the Giants for the wrong reasons. Um, anyone who is part of our group chat knows I was very thankful for this going to overtime. But oh, yes, I am also quite worried for the Commanders because Riverboat Run 
uh, got his nickname for you know loving a gamble and loving loving taking a chance. Just uh, what a drive for the commanders to level this up, basically as the game is expiring. And you see so many teams now, especially you know late or going for the win, where you go for two to win the game. Inevitably, because he said the offense was tied, it was like a one minute forty drive because it was against the clock. I understand there was no timeouts and there were no huddling, but if your offense can't get you a two yard conversion, if you don't have that faith in them, then that says a lot to me. I feel like they should have gone for two, um, at least try and win the game because. So many times in overtime, you lose the coin toss and that's it. You never see the ball again. <laughs> they actually won the coin toss, but they still managed to lose. So a, a double whammy of bad. And my only other note I really had on it was uh, rookie cornerback Emmanuel Forbes, who has easily given up about £60 on AJ Brown. It was just a huge mismatch. And it led to Brown having a monster game. I think it was nine for 175, two touchdowns. He basically little broed him the entire game. It was kind of unfortunate to watch because you don't want to put your rookie cornerback in, in that kind of situation. It was it was brutal. Yeah, AJ Brown is looking really, really comfortable in this offense and Jalen Hurts likes to go his way. Dave, did you see anything in this game? I I would actually like to just slightly disagree with you on Sam Hull because I thought this was the first game where he actually looked very good and competent. Like his mistakes were minimal um, because this year he's, he's he'd thrown five interceptions up until uh, th- this game, and I I was the, some of his decisions were very inexperienced, um, so I was looking a bit worried. But he looked very good here. Uh, I think he he really sort of minimized 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 the the mistakes uh, that that he was making in the first few weeks. Um. Yeah, I think big shout out to Jalen Hurts for reaching 300 yards. I think we all, we all were quite appreciative that he reached 300 yards. Um, but yeah, the, look, the 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 oh, I, I nearly did it as well. The Commanders um, were it's so hard not to do it. It it is it is. It, it's you know not. What, I, I, <laughs> it's, it's you know, they, they 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 just sound the same, obviously. But uh, yeah, look the. Philadelphia have got good names on their defense. They've got good names, but they haven't got they haven't been working well as a unit. Uh, well, this week they haven't anyway. They didn't really. Um, I think there's some work to be done there as well. I think they, you know, obviously we saw them. What was it? They what were they nine and zero at one point last year? Something along those lines. That this this defense is is not as good as last year. I feel that that that's what I'm I'm taking from this game. Uh, DeAndre Swift kind of did what he needed to do. He never got any massive runs, but the runs that he did get, he, he kind of got essential ones, um, and he obviously got a touchdown as well. But you know, th- this was a game that both quarterbacks looked very good. Jalen Hurts was a f- off target a few times, but he he must love AJ Brown. He absolutely must. It, it, it was a complete mismatch, but AJ Brown just dominated that that offense completely, and that was pretty much the difference. A big shout out to Scary Terry as well for eight receptions as well. 
yeah, McLaurin's looked really good. It's good to see him sort of getting back to his old ways again. Uh, we're going to move on then, gentlemen, and we come to the Las Vegas Raiders and versus the Los Angeles Chargers in SoFi Stadium in front of 70,240 people. This was basically a home game for the Raiders. The amount of silver and black in that crowd and the noise, the opening drive for Justin Herbert, he couldn't hear what was going on uh, in the their home stadium um but the chargers prevailed in this one they came away with a 24 to 17 win and it was actually 24 to 7 um before the uh raiders scored 10 points in the fourth quarter there so jake we're going to put it to you the chargers the raiders what did you see in this one yeah my my long-standing dislike of the chargers and their lack of fans shows again with uh playing in their big brother stadium and, and being outshone again and like I say when, when your quarterback's having to take timeouts and getting a silent count it's, it's just embarrassing but it, it wasn't all bad for the Chargers they scored on four of their first five drives leading into like you say a 24 to 7 half the Raiders and rookie uh, quarterback Aidan O'Connell rallied they made the game competitive um, if you look through the five games I covered this is the only game that was even relatively close I was really good at picking blowouts last week uh, but Aiden O'Connell, 20, uh, 24 of 38, 238 yards. Uh, Josh Jacobs stepped up. He had 17 of 58 on the ground and 8 of 81 in the air. Uh, but both him and Devontae Adams voicing their frustrations. So considering uh, what's going on at the Raiders at the moment, it's not great when your two kind of offensive stars and weapons are both really not happy. Normally you can keep at least one of them happy, but neither of them are happy. And then for the Chargers, I mean, Khalil Mack started the day without a sack and ended Sunday tied for the lead in the entire NFL with sacks. He, he just, I've not seen a game like this in a long, long time. Ten tackles, six sacks, five tackles for loss, a pass defense, four QB hits. You know, Connell will have nightmares of Khalil Mack. And I'm sure he won't be the, the only one that's ever had that, but he was just phenomenal. And it's just, again, Chargers, and again, Brandon Staley, a fourth and one on your own 34, three minutes 34 left. You're up seven against a rookie quarterback in his first start. Show some faith, kick, punt the ball away. Why Why are you going for it in your own half? What is his obsession with being an idiot and making the wrong decisions? Um, he was very lucky that Asante Samuel bailed him out by picking off O'Connell on the two-yard line. But then he kind of waved him down and told him to go down, even though he had 90 yards of freedom, which meant Justin Herbert, with a fractured finger, still had to throw a, a very clutch throw to end the game. It was just a, a really messy game for the Chargers. You know, it started off so promising, and okay, the Chargers are finally going to you know, get a classic win and you know show what a team they can be. And they made it look hard work. They They brought the Raiders back into it. They went from fourth and one on their own 34 when they didn't need to. And they finally got an interception to seal the game. And it very much looks like from the replay, his coach was telling him to go down when he had all day and an entire field to run and just probably take it to the house, if not great field position. Instead, they were stuck on their 11-yard line. There was about a minute 56, minute 58 left on third and 10. And they're just very lucky that the quarterback toughed it out made a monster throw and, and sealed the game. It was, I'm just really sick of the Chargers. And I, I, I keep on doing this to myself by picking their games, but they're too good to be like this. But they are another team 
who are on a bye next week. They've got they had three defensive starters already out. Um, obviously, their quarterback I mentioned there fractured a finger on his non-throwing hand, so they are another team very thankful for the bye. But I just really hate the Chargers. Uh, you mentioned Khalil Mack there. He now joins the late great Derek Thomas as the only person in NFL history to have multiple um, games of five or more sacks. Um, now, as you said, that Khalil Mack had six sacks in this game. You're going up against a rookie quarterback, against a team that hasn't barely moved the ball. You've got the lead, punt. It's not, it's not a case of, you know, should we trust our defense? Yes, you should. They've been absolutely going after the opponent's quarterback all day long. I have no idea what Staley was thinking. And I'm with you in that, Jake, because they frustrate me. I watch them and they, they make their own games too hard for themselves when they don't need to because Staley is just consistently going for it at ridiculous times. I've, I've got nothing nothing against going for fourth downs. Nothing against. But there's a time and a place to do it. And there's a time and a place to just punt the ball away. And he just seems to be obsessed with not doing that. Uh, Dave, did you see anything in uh, anything in this scheme? Charter for Raiders. Yeah, it was an interesting tie between uh, the Oakland Raiders and the San Diego Chargers. It, it was just one of those... <laughs> Just one of those games where, yeah, it, it, there was a good few things to pick up from it. Um, I was, I was, I was, I was disappointed in the coaching on both sides. Uh, you know, obviously, we're big fans of both of these coaches on this podcast. Um, but uh, yeah, look, it was just it, it was a case of which one do you dislike more? Um, the pointless chargers or the ugly raiders you know it's just i mean they, they tried to spice up their image obviously with uh jimmy g but that kind of backfired in this game what i would say though is that khalil mack has looked the best that he looked the best that he's ever looked in a chargers uniform that, that that's it just i think goes without saying he hasn't looked great since he's moved to uh, the Chargers, but he looked amazing in this one, and I think he was actually just one short of the record, which was seven uh, set by a Kansas City player, Derek Thomas. Of course, yeah. so they Derek uh, Thomas. It was, but yeah, what? Well, just a little bit of info. Do you know what the year it was? Uh, it was nineteen ninety. It was against the Seattle the, Seahawks. The best year ever, obviously. Uh, it would definitely wasn't because that's when I was born. All right, but nineteen ninety. <laughs> Good yeah, God, definitely. So yeah. Um, yeah, that, like Jake was saying, that the, the, you got bye week, uh, the bye week coming up, and I think they're going to need it because I think they need not just obviously because of the uh, fractured middle finger, but I think they need a bit of a reset because even though the Chargers came away with the win in this, they're two and two. They don't look like a two and two team. They look closer to an own four team than someone you know who should be two and two. So um, the Chargers. I, I, I think they're definitely not going to make the playoffs. I've got no hope for them whatsoever. Um, I think this will be Brandon Staley's last year as a Charger. I'm making that kind of bold prediction. Actually, do you know what? I think neither of these teams will have the same head coach come next year. That's what I think. Well, I, I think the Chargers, if they don't make the playoffs, it's because of their head coach. Yes. It's because they've got so much talent. So much talent. Uh, Justin Herbert can throw a 
dime. Oh my word, can that man throw a ball? It's beautiful to watch. Uh, right, so moving on, gentlemen, we come to the New England Patriots and the Dallas Cowboys at AT&T Stadium. Jerry World from 93,719 fans. And do you know what? I picked the Patriots to win this one. I did. I have to. I'm behind in the pickums, So I had to be sort of, you know, got to be bold. So I thought, this will be bold. And I went for the Patriots. And it didn't quite work out for me because the Cowboys absolutely blew them to pieces. 38 to 3 to the Dallas Cowboys. And Mac Jones just looked really, really poor in this game. This might might be one of his worst performances uh, as a Patriot. Um, Billy Zappi came in, uh, but Mac Jones, 12 of 21, 150 yards, two picks, uh, sacked ones. Billy Zappi came in, 4 of 9, 57 yards. Um, they couldn't get anything done rushing. Ramondre Stevenson had 14 carries for 30 yards. Ezekiel Elliott and his homecoming, six carries for 16 yards. This offense could get nothing done. Meanwhile, Dak Prescott was pinging it all over the place. He was 28-34, 261 yards and a touchdown, although he did take three sacks. Um, but this game just wasn't close at all at any point. Um, and it was all about this defense, the, the Cowboys defense. I don't know if the Cowboys defense was really, really good or if they were just made to look really good by an absolutely paltry New England offense. This offense could get nothing done. Um, they made umpteen mistakes in this game. And when you look at the, the, the box score for this one, um, the 200 yards for New England, 253 for Dallas. Um, 253 total yards for New England, 377 for Dallas, uh, one fumble for New England, two fumbles for Dallas, although they didn't lose any of them, penalties, 50 yards to 32 yards. So it's not like you look at the box score and say, oh, you know, this is a reasonably close game. What was that, 27-21? No, it wasn't 27-21. It was 38-3. How many times have we seen this now this year? Well, you look at the box score and try and guess what the score might have been in that game. Or if you look at, you know, the two quarterbacks and you try and guess, and you're thinking, nothing like it. The, the Patriots were appalling in this game. Absolutely appalling. Ezekiel Elliott did nothing. And I really thought, here he goes, back home, homecoming, He's going to try and put on a show, and he was absolutely awful. Dave, did you watch any of this? It was rubbish. If you're an fan. I'm, sure, yeah, I'm sure, well, sure Tim was happy. I'm sure Tim was very happy because, you know, like, like everyone else, he clearly loves Patriots. Um, but, um, well, like you said, Zeke Elliott, six carries for 16 yards and two receptions for six yards. He, he, he wasn't really given much of a chance, to be honest, um, because they it seemed like the Cowboys knew exactly what the Patriots were going to do before the ball was snapped every single time. Um, but So there was two defensive touchdowns. Uh, Leighton Van Der Es was scooping up that fumble. Uh, and also for the second time this year, Deron Bland picked it off and it was a pick six. That's his second of the year. And obviously he had two interceptions. So yeah, the, the, Cowboy, the Cowboys are just... I, I, I think it was the Cowboys' defense. 
that that won this game basically because they've got the highest uh, proficiency against the run, the best run defense in the league, um, and it's not even close on the stats. Um, because I, they, I think they, the way they measure it is something like uh, how they limit the run against them, and uh, they're the only team uh, even close uh, to the forty percent mark of how good they are. I think there's two, maybe three teams at the very most on uh, over thirty percent. The Cowboys are above forty. That they have that got that run defense to the ground. When you've got a team like the Patriots that need the run. Uh, yeah, the, the, this this was this game was always going to go this way. I feel Mac Jones was just rubbish. I'm afraid. I think at the I think there's been a lot uh, bothering him during the week. Where obviously been things being said about him on uh, social media. I think that might have got to him a little bit in his preparations for this game. But um, yeah, this this was really poor. Bailey Zappi came in, but obviously way too late. Far far too late for any kind of uh, bounce back. Um, but yeah, they, I think the only bright spot for the Patriots is that Dak got sacked three times. That's literally it. That's all they can take from the game. That uh, their defense did okay because aside from the two uh, touchdowns, they didn't look that bad. Uh, so sorry that that the the Patriots defense, aside from the couple touchdowns, um, they 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 didn't look terrible. Well, no but no Bill Belichick again, defense is ever going to look terrible. <laughs> But, yes, but have you ever seen a team out defense Bill Belichick? Because that's what I think Dan Quinn achieved here. I, I genuinely think Dan Quinn out defense Bill Belichick in this game. I think it's more that the Patriots are sort of hamstrung. Mac Jones was awful. He was awful. Oh, he in this was. Game. Absolutely. Uh, what's your opinion on that? My opinion. The bad news was worst loss of Belichick's career. Um, Matt Judon and Christian Gonzalez, I mentioned earlier, both out. Maybe both of the season, which is just terrible. Huge I will continue. I will continue to pick on Juju uh, Smith-Schuster because one reception, fourteen yards. He is really coming down to one of the worst, like you know, reception for your money kind of wide receivers. You know, we all joked about Christian Kirk years ago and all this, but Juju for the, the money he's getting paid has got to be up there with one of the worst signings ongoing at the moment, and then. Just very dismal reading for the Patriots. They started with a field goal and then it was downs, fumble, touchdown, pick six, punt, interception, punt, 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 miss field goal. I mean, it's just bad news. Uh, good news for the Patriots. You get to play the Saints next week and we, you know, just let us get to the red zone because we are the worst team in the red zone. So best thing you can do is just let us get to the red zone and then we'll find a way not to score. <laughs> My goodness. Ah, uh, you really, you really haven't go to your scenes there, Jake. That's yeah. That's I, I was, I was positive for two weeks, and uh, now they've lost my faith. Yeah. So we're going to move on, gentlemen. We come to the Arizona Cardinals and the San Francisco 49ers at Levi Stadium in front of seventy-one thousand five hundred and twenty-one fans who watched Christian McCaffrey score four touchdowns in this game, and he should have had five. He should have had five. Uh, but they let Purdy run for one. And they come away with a 35-16 to 16 win over the feisty Arizona Cardinals. And once again, Joshua Dobbs looks pretty nifty. He does. I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing from Joshua Dobbs. But it wasn't enough to deal with uh, this 49ers offense. Uh, Dave, this one's all yours. Cards, Niners. What did you make of it? This was painful for me. Um, yeah, it, like 
all I can say is that the 49ers look terrifying and they just look efficient and scary efficient at the same time. Uh, I, I Obviously, Christian McCaffrey, four touchdowns, just fantastic. And um, he said after the game, he wasn't too miffed. Um, that's, you know, he, he had a chance to tie the Niners record held by Jerry Rice and Ricky Waters um, for... I think yeah, it was, so the, when San Francisco drove, they drove the ball down to the one late in the game. Coach Cal Shanahan called for Cal Yushek to get the uh, the no yards before Brock Purdy scored on a sneak. Um, now, yeah, so uh, it, it's I'm trying to think of ways that are not painful for me to describe uh, in this game. But Christian McCaffrey, A plus. What probably I, I think he's right now he's the best running back in the league. I, I don't think there's any contest about Definitely. that. The other thing I it's really painful for me to point out, and I, I if you get that flute out, I might hit you with it. Brock Purdy, twenty completions, twenty one uh, for two hundred eighty three yards and the touchdown. We're all aboard the hype train. I know you can't hear that, Dave, but the people at home can hear that. I hear it in my sleep. (laughs) Listen, one one incomplete. He was good. One incomplete. He wasn't good. He was incredible. Justin Fields-esque. Justin Fields through three quarters. Good. That's how good he was. Yeah. He was spectacular. And don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong, Dave. And I'm sorry for jumping in here. No, no, no. Having Christian McCaffrey... Having Debo Samuel, having Brandon Ayuk, having George Kittle—that you know—that's a young quarterback's best friend, especially McCaffrey. It's just ridiculous. I, don't, I lost count of the amount of times Brock Purdy was looking, looking, looking. I'll just dump it off to McCaffrey, and you know McCaffrey's getting first downs all the time. It was fantastic. Not for you as a Rams fan, I get that you hate the 49ers, but it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, Christian McCaffrey broke Jerry Rice's. A record for consecutive games with a touchdown as a 49er. He now has 14. He is now four shy of the all-time NFL record held by Ladinian Tomlinson. Um, Jake, 49ers cards. Did you see anything in this one you liked? Well, 14 straight first CMC and 14 straight regular season games for the 49ers. It's, it's unbelievable. We mentioned Purdy's completion rate. That was a franchise record for completion percentage in a game. No surprise there. What stood out for me was they had 30 first downs, only five third downs in the entire game, which they went three of five. And then just to top it off, they reached fourth down once and went one for one. It's just dominance. Just You look at that box score and it's almost perfect. It's every little bit of it. Like I said, I've never seen so many first downs. I've never seen so few third downs. It's just they didn't need third down. It was that easy for them sometimes. Yeah. You don't you don't need um, a third down conversions when you're gaining six seven yards per play. It's just unbelievable what they were doing, what they are doing, offensively. Uh, don't worry, Dave. We'll, we'll move on from the 49ers. I know you don't want to talk about them all day. That's quite all right, young man. So what we will do is we will move on. We'll come to the Kansas City Chiefs at the New York Jets at MetLife Stadium in front of 80,461 people. And a lot of folks thought this was going to be an absolute blowout, but it wasn't. 
those Jets were hanging on and hanging on and hanging on. Um, eventually, the Kansas City Chiefs won this one by a score of 23 to 20. Um, and I watched this game and for the first time that I, could, that I can remember, I, I looked at Patrick Mahomes' play and I thought, he's not really having a very good game. He, he, like, but he had one really bad interception. Um, he had, he had two, two, on the, two on the night. Uh, one really bad one. Absolutely horrendous. Um, and the Jets kept hanging on. But it was almost like the, the, the Chiefs were sort of letting them come back into the game. But I see a Pacheco. This man runs with power and passion. 20 carries for 115 yards. I think the, the Chiefs have really uh, unearthed something in Pacheco. The way they're using him now as a running back. Um, Travis Kelsey, he had six catches for 60 yards. Um, did no touchdowns, but no agree the tight end. He did have a, uh, a good touchdown catch there from Patrick Mahomes. But Zach Wilson, he did all right. 28, 39 for 245 yards and touch, uh, two touchdowns, no picks. Um, Brees Hall, six for 56 yards on the ground. Um, and we mentioned Garrett Wilson before. He had nine catches for 60 yards. But Alan Lazard had a touchdown catch. Um, 61 yards off of just three receptions there for the Jets. And uh, Jake, I'll put it to you. Did you watch this game? Uh, and if you did, what do you think is happening with these Jets? Because they went, um, Aaron Rodgers goes down and it looked like this had completely fallen to pieces. Zach Wilson looked so much better in this game and they could have won this. There was one of the worst non-calls for holding that I've seen in a long time. Patrick Mahomes scrambled for like 30 yards on third and 25. But one of his offensive linemen appeared to be just holding on to one of the... Just like literally two fists, grabbed him and just pulled him in tight like that and just held on to him. Um, what did you make of it, Jake? Well, that play was hilarious because it was so egregious on Jermaine Johnson, the, the Jets defender, that when a flag came in late, you were like, thank God. I thought they were not going to call it. And then it was a flag on the Jets. You're like, what? Excuse me? Uh, it felt very much like these are the, the Patriots. They are getting favorable decisions, the Chiefs. A very confusing game for me because I was watching this game. I was staying awake for, for reasons I had to watch this game. It was 17 to nothing. It was 17 to two. I fell asleep. I woke up at half four. Oh, oh, oh my God. What was the score? I need to need to check the box score. And as I check, Patrick Mahomes is kneeling for a 23 to 20 win. And I was like, what the hell happened? How long was I asleep for? Because it was just not what I expected to wake up to. But um, similar to how I mentioned the Eagles last week or the week before, they really kind of saw out the game, maybe with a bit of help from the officials, but their final two drives, 14 plays ended in a field goal, which took up 7 minutes 23, and then 15 plays that ended in a kneel, that took 7 minutes 24. So the, the Chiefs did, like I say, made it a lot more interesting than they needed to, uh, but when it mattered, they saw out the win. But yeah, just egregious non-call on that holding that was just like how is that i don't know how that's not like my mind's blown that no one even after the fact has come out and said like yeah that was bad i mean i i did see uh who was it i think it was richard sherman in one of those talk 
things that he's doing. And he was talking about the, the holding call on Sauce Gardner. And he was complaining mm-hmm. at that. And I was going, but that was holding. You know, yeah. you don't agree with it, but I was holding. Why are you not absolutely incensed at this non-call, which was clearly hold? It was, it. You're right, egregious. I mean, there's there's not many holding calls that I've seen that haven't been called as bad as that, and not one that I can remember in a long, long time. Dave, did you see anything else in this game? Uh, I saw uh, Robert Salah getting called for unsportsmanlike conduct as well. That that just kind of rounded up the day for the Jets uh, because he was very, very unhappy and he was screaming at the at the uh, officials. Um, I mean, it, I, see, the, the thing with Sauce Gardner is that he does it every single game and it's only every so often that he gets called for it. Now, that that pe- that particular play you know it, it was holding by the by the law it was holding and you know if it goes against you if you're a Jets fan and that goes against you I can see why you'd be a little bit annoyed considering what's gone on like last year and this year in regards to Sauce Gardner and his questionable uh coverage um but I, I think that uh you know, so I, I don't think that Salah should have reacted like that, and I'm, I'm, I think there's going to be some sort of repercussion, some sort of fine for him there. I don't know if it, there has been, uh, but also it's not often you see Zach Wilson outperforming Patrick Mahomes. That is not something I thought I'd ever see in a one v one game. Zach Wilson no picks, Patrick Mahomes two, uh, Zach Wilson two touchdowns, Patrick Mahomes one. 245 yards, Wilson. 203 yards, Patrick Mahomes. Isaiah Pacheco was the one who got them out in the end with just great a great performance all around. Um, but yeah, it, it's a weird, weird game. Garrett Wilson turned up, uh, but he was only he wasn't used for any kind of deep balls. Which I'm um, okay. Maybe it was because Zach Wilson was a quarterback, but uh, when he was when he was thrown to, he did quite well. Um, there's something there for the Jets to have a little bit of hope, but as we've seen Jets in previous years, they're not, they don't really live up to any kind of hope, so um, yeah, the the, the season's kind of done for the Jets, I think, already. Uh, they, 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 they just want to really pick up a few, um, a, l- a little bit of pride, um, and I think they did it in this one, but Mahomes really needs to step up his game. Yeah, and I, I, I never thought I would ever hear those words. Yep. It's like, yeah, he was not good in this game. Uh, so moving on, gentlemen, we then come to the Seattle Seahawks and the New York Giants. And oh my word, if things couldn't get any worse for Daniel Jones, he was sacked 10 times in this game at MetLife Stadium in front of 78,507 fans. And Jake, before I put it to you, the Giants fans at MetLife, have yet to see an offensive touchdown this year. They have yet to see an offensive touchdown. They have watched their team in two games, outscored 64-3, to because the Seahawks came with a 24-3 win in this one. Um, Geno Smith looked absolutely fine in this game. He didn't do anything wrong. He didn't need to do anything right. Uh, Kenneth Walker had 79 rushing yards. But Jake, I'm going to put it to you, Seahawks, Giants, what did you see? Oh, an absolute beatdown from the Seattle defense. They had 11 sacks, 10 tackles for loss, four passes defense, 
two interceptions, one that went for a pick six. They had a, fum- a strip sack that led to a fumble recovery. They had four different players have two or more sacks. Um, this display was led by rookie cornerback, my defensive rookie of the year shout, Devon Witherspoon, who had two sacks himself, two tackles for loss, seven tackles, pass defense, three quarterback hits, and that was all topped by his 97-yard pick six. Um, the Seahawks, who were already missing both tackles, lost both guards pretty early. That led to a lot of holding penalties, a lot of kind of makeshift offensive line. Didn't seem to matter too much. They are 6-0 and oh at MetLife. Uh, like I say, another team grateful for their bye with all these injuries. Uh, MetLife was also where they won the Super Bowl, so they, they'd love uh, MetLife to Seattle. And then for the Giants, Daniel Jones was just pummeled. Had nearly 50 dropbacks, yet only two attempts over 10 yards. Just shows how little time he had to actually throw the ball. And in those four games that the Giants have played, you mentioned that their home fans haven't seen a touchdown. Well, their fans in general have seen one good quarter in four games. It's one of the biggest surprises. I'm, well, surprises is a, maybe the wrong word, but one of the biggest come-downs uh, and back-to-reality seasons in a while. The Giants, who sucked two years ago, uh, brought in Brian Abel and had a, a, a kind of rejuvenation year last year, even got into the playoffs this year back to reality, back to normality. Um, I did enjoy the video of Brian Dable pointing something out on the Surface tablet, Daniel Jones and Turner away, and the absolute disgust on his face was just phenomenal. Even he's had enough at this point. So it felt like a Legion of Boom performance. It was. You didn't have to bring up the Super Bowl in MetLife. I'm just seeing. <laughs> um, well, someone's got to be nice to the Seahawks between you two. <laughs> it was... An absolute kicking the Giants took in this game. They just looked so physically outmatched. Um, and Daniel Jones was terrible. That interception, was, I mean, talk about telegraphing a pass. That was horrendous by Daniel Jones. Dave, I'll put it to you. Uh, it, was, it was the last game of the week. I watched it all the way through... Um, it not not just the game in forty, the whole game. <laughs> Wish I hadn't. It was this was an awful performance. This is a team that won a playoff game last year, and they look like one of the offensively one of the worst teams in the league this year. Just absolutely atrocious. Um, Dave, did you see anything else in this one? Not really. Uh, they, it was a good good to see uh, Drew Locke make an appearance. Uh, and obviously he threw that 51-yard pass to Noah Fan. So good for them uh, for making that. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it says a lot that, well, the Giants, the Giants couldn't get a run game going whatsoever. They're really missing Saquon um, a, a lot. And, you know, but like uh, Kenneth Walker got more than double what Matt Breida and Gary Brightwell could muster together uh, in this game and uh, from the exact same amount of uh, attempts as well. But, um, yeah, this is, the, New York is a really troubled place when it comes to the NFL this year. Uh, and, they, you know, they're both both teams are 1-3. Both teams should be 0-4, to be honest. Um I I think I I just think Dan Jones is just living up to exactly what we thought he was going to live up to, which is just as you uh, to to quote a great philosopher, 
hot steaming garbage i think would be the best way <laughs> to uh, describe daniel jones but uh yeah new this is going to be a long year for new york i did not think they were going to finish below the commanders this year i revise that they are definitely finishing below the commanders this year uh and unless something major happens over at metlife there they're going to be rock bottom of that division they're they are, they're terrible they and you're right saquon they miss him so badly this offense could do yeah. nothing so gentlemen that wraps up our week four recap so gentlemen we're going to have a rapid fire week five preview and we start with the thursday night games the chicago bears and the washington commanders and i've got the commanders winning this one fairly healthily because i don't think justin fields has two good games in a row i've got the commanders winning 27 to 10 20 to 13 commanders also, for me, 27 for the Commanders, but 20 for the Bears. We then go to the London game, where the Buffalo Bills will welcome Von Miller back to take on the Jaguars. And sorry, Patrick, I'm taking the Bills in this one, but closer than you might think. Got the Bills winning by a score of 24 to 20. <laughs> Very similar scoreline, 28 to 24, also the Bills. We have the exact same score, Neosa. I've gone for 24-20 for the Bills. There we go. We've all got a four-point win. We have indeed. Uh, We then have the Houston Texans uh, trying to take on the Atlanta Falcons. I've got the Texans winning this one as well. Um, I don't think I'll put up as many points this time, though. I've got a lower score in the field, 19-16 to Houston. We are very similar at the moment. I'm 21-16 to for my Texans, who I've been on. I welcome you to the Texans one wagon if you want it. I've got a very similar uh, scenario that's going to be very close, but I've got 27-24 for the Texans. So we've got a hey, sweep for the Texans. Goodness. I, need to, I need to throw things up to try and catch up here. <laughs> but I'm not doing it this game. Detroit versus Carolina. I'm taking the Lions to win. Uh, and I'm taking them to win handily. I've got them winning this one 38-14. to 31-15, obviously, for the Lions. I've, I've got a bit more... Uh, Shall we? Shall we say faith in the Panthers? I think it's going to be a lot, a bit closer, but it's going to be thirty-seven twenty-seven. We then have the Colts versus the Titans, and I think Anthony Richardson has a really good game in here. And I think the the Colts come away with a win in this one, twenty-six to nineteen, Indianapolis. I've got the same result, but a very different scoreline, fourteen to six. I think this is going to be a stinker. I, I think I'm in the middle of between the two years. Uh, I've got the Colts to win, but I think it's going to be 20 points to 17. Have we agreed on every single game so far? I think we have. Uh, and we're going to agree on this next one. New York Giants, Miami Dolphins. I've got the Dolphins winning this one, and it's not even going to be close. I've got a 42 to 10 to Miami. Yeah, no surprise. This was the biggest spread of the week. 11 and a half points the Dolphins are given. Um, I have them actually not technically covering twenty-seven to sixteen. Oh, I've got thirty-eight to nine. It's just, there's just going to be three <laughs> field goals for the Jets. I, I, I don't think the Giants would score. How many points did you say? Sixteen. I don't know. I've got sixteen. They couldn't score that if they played them three times. It's just ridiculous. Um, we've got then got the uh, Saints against the Patriots. I'm sorry, Jake. I'm taking. The, I need to do something. I'm taking the Patriots to win this one, uh, sixteen to fourteen. I think I've picked against the Saints more than anyone on this podcast, but not this week. I've got the Saints winning in an absolute classic, fourteen to thirteen. 
That's just depressing. Oh god. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm afraid I'm going to have to go Neosa in this one. I'm picking Bill to just do one over on, on the Saints. Uh, I'm picking him to win by 24 points to 17. I, I, I'm apologizing in advance, Steve. Oh, sorry. I'm post post. What? <laughs> I'm apologizing for what I said. It's just that the Saints offense is terrible, and they're going up against Belichick's mm-hmm. defense. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, so, yeah, but the Patriots have so many injuries that the Patriots also suck. So we might be okay. That's true. That's true. That's very true. Okay, so when it comes to the Baltimore Ravens, the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, I think unless Trubisky comes in and plays the whole game, the Ravens are running away with this one, which I have them doing 31-10. to 10. I always love an AFC North battle. It's always close. So I've gone Ravens, but 20-17. to 17. I've got 20 points to 17. But I've gone for the Steelers. I think we have upset of the week because I think the Steelers are going to bounce back against a slightly unpredictable Ravens team because I think they're due one week where they just don't quite perform. I think it's going to be against the Steelers. I like it. I like it too. I like it bold. It's bold. And here's my bold one. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles, Los Angeles Rams. Taking your Rams. 27-24 in overtime for the Rams' second straight overtime victory. I mean, I have the Eagles only just winning because they have been struggling or not at their best, but I got 27 to 23 Eagles. 34-31 LA Rams. <laughs> and it's, it's, got, it's going to be a field goal from the kicker I, that I'm not that big on. He's not Matt Gay, therefore he's, it just doesn't matter. But Puka Nakua is going to get his second touchdown. With another Cincinnati Bengals, Arizona Cardinals, and I'm banking on Joshua Dobbs. I think he has a great game with the Cardinals. Come away with a scraper of a win, 21-20 over the Bengals. We are getting crazy in these late games. I've gone Bengals 21-10. Guess who I've picked? Oh, my God. Cardinals. Josh Dobbs is going to beat the Bengals, which is not something I ever thought would utter out of my mouth. But I've got the Cardinals winning by a score of 27 to 20. We then have the New York Jets at the Denver Broncos. And I believe in Sean Payton. And I think Zach Wilson regresses. And I think the Broncos win this one fairly handily, actually. I've got to win it by a score of 30 to 16. I'm very sorry. The Jets have a great defense. And the Broncos have a terrible defense. Yes, and I've picked the Jets 17 to 15. It was not easy to do. It's okay. Uh, I, I think it's there's going to be a lot of points in this game. I've gone for 35 points to 30 for Colorado's finest. Oh, nice one, Dave. We then have the Kansas it's City. really me against you guys at this point. <laughs> it is a bit. Uh, we got the Chiefs at the Vikings. No surprises. I'm taking the Chiefs in this one. I think Mahomes bounces right back with a big game uh, indoors. Uh, and I've got them winning this one 42 to 30 against the Vikings. Big high scorer. I welcome your guys' company. I have gone the Chiefs 30 to 24. Yeah, I think I actually think there's going to be even more points in this. Uh, I, I've got the Chiefs going 34 points, but the Vikings making it a fairly respectable 24. We then have the Cowboys against the 49ers. I've got the 49ers staying undefeated. Um, I think it's going to be a close game, though. Got them winning this one by 27 to 26. One point scraper for the Niners. 21 to 16 to the Niners. 
I'm only doing this because I'm starting to fall behind in the pickums. Uh, I am picking the 49ers to win this one. Uh, I'm going to say it's very, very close. So I think it's going to be 27 points to 24 with a late field goal for the 49ers. And then finally, we have the Green Bay Packers uh, taking on the Las Vegas Raiders. I've got the Packers winning this one in overtime in an absolute slugfest 10 to 7. Oh, a classic. I love it. I've got the Packers, and you know what? In overtime, winning twenty-one to eighteen. Oh, I've got one game going to overtime this week, no. and we've just picked it up. <laughs> I've just had a coughing fit because I could not believe that this has happened. I've got the Raiders scoring a field goal in overtime to win twenty-four points to twenty-one, and that is a rapid-fire week <laughs> five picks. <laughs> I That's never it. happened. That is the never happened. Strangest picks ever, man. Wonderful. Love it. Um, okay, gentlemen, it has come to the end of our podcast. So we've got time for one final segment. And it is, of course, random stats. Random stats. Random stats. Random yeah. stats. Um, who wants to go first for random stats? Uh, I would like to go first, mainly because at one point it sounded like Dave was about to give my random stat away and I was, oh. I was panicking. I was sweating. Oh, Jake, give us your random stat quickly before Dave starts talking. My random stat is Zach Wilson is the only quarterback to ever have fewer interceptions, more completions, passing yards, touchdown passes, all of the above in a game against Patrick Mahomes in the college or the NFL when Patrick Mahomes has started a game. I'm sorry. Zach Wilson is Patrick Mahomes' dad. I apologize to interrupting you in the middle of a random stat. I don't think I've ever done this before. Can you say all of that again for me? Mm-hmm. Zach Wilson is the only quarterback to ever have fewer interceptions, more completions, more passing yards, more touchdown passes in a game when Patrick Mahomes has started, not just in the NFL, including college. That was from Opta Stats, if anybody wants to double check me because it is wow. ridiculous that is first of all w- wow <laughs> zach wilson of all people <laughs> but the only person ever against patrick mahomes in college or the nfl when he started the game that's insane that's absolutely insane what a stat jake that might be the best random stat i've ever heard Stop it oh that was a good one. Dave, can you top that? No. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I mean, I, I apologize for ruin, ruining it, but uh, there's been a couple. I was going to ask you guys a quick question off of the back of, well, at the start of mine. Um, currently, there are three quarterbacks that haven't had a pick this year. So we've named a couple of them. Can you remember what they were? CJ Stroud is one. CJ Stroud. Um. Sorry. Howard Guff is definitely not one. Cedric Shaw is the only one I can remember off the top of my head. Well, if you take your flute out of wherever you shoved it, oh, excuse me. Oh, no. Brock Purdy. Of course. That man yes, doesn't even throw yes. incompletions, let alone interceptions. Yes. That man's a machine. But uh, the other one is Joshua Dobbs. Oh. Joshua. Hang on. I, right, hang on, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> this might be an even better start. Are you trying to tell me that through four weeks of the NFL season, 
The only player, the only three quarterbacks with no interceptions are Joshua Dobbs, Brock Purdy, and CJ Stroud. Correct. Does anyone yes. remember where um, Joshua Dobbs was drafted? Uh, I'm pretty sure he was like the fifth round fifth, by the Steelers. It was season. something no. like that. Now, where was CJ Stroud? He was higher up. CJ Stroud was higher up. Number second. two. Second, number second two, overall. Yeah. So you got yes. a second overall, a fifth rounder, and a Mr. Irrelevant. Uh, <laughs> are the only quarterbacks with no interceptions this year. That's mental. One of them is a rookie. The second, the second overall is a rookie. The second overall. <laughs> That's insane. That doesn't make sense. It's crazy, isn't it? It's a, that, that that in itself was probably worth it, um, but the stat there's more to it. There's more because there's more. There's there's more. So there's a data firm, and it's called FTN Data. Now what they do is they look at throws by quarterbacks that are, as they call, interception worthy. So they they should be picked off, right? You know, you know, uh, op- uh, opportunities for the defense or just horrifically thrown balls that should be picked off, kind of thing, right? So they've ranked them from top to bottom of the luckiest and the unluckiest quarterbacks. Now, when you are unlucky, you have more interceptions than you should have worthy interceptions. Yeah, balls okay, going through your receiver's hands and to align. Yeah, yeah, I get Exactly. It. So there's only two of these quarterbacks that have that number higher. The first one is Kirk Cousins. He has four interceptions, but only three of these were interception worthy. So three bad decisions by Kirk Cousins basically resulted in that. The other one is Matthew Stafford. He has five interceptions this year and only three of them were worthy of it. But we go to the top of the list of the luckiest quarterbacks. So with 14 bad throws that should have been picked off, New England Patriots' very own Mac Jones Yay! <laughs> who tops that list. Now, we've mentioned the next two are on the list. There's only two others that are in double digits. Desmond Ritter is second on this list. Not surprised. I'm not surprised. Three picks, 11 worthy of a pick. They, mm. he, he was lucky that they didn't, they didn't get picked off. But third is Sam Hull, who has five picks, and has 10 that should have been picked, which I'm just saying backs up a little bit of what I've said. However, can I also point out that joint fifth, Joshua Dobbs, eight worthy of an interception, but hasn't been picked off just yet. He deserves <laughs> some luck. He deserves <laughs> the, some the luck. The Cardinals absolutely deserve all the luck they can get. They, they yeah. do. Yeah, it's it. I mean, some some of the names are just. I mean, Josh Allen is joint fourth on the list. He's a nine dodgy throws, which should have been picked off. Um, but I mean, there's a few uh, down down up with just three. Um, you you know they make good decisions. Lamar Jackson, uh, Trevor Lawrence, as well, is right down as uh, one of the unluckiest. So, yeah, it's a nice little stat. It's not quite as breathtaking. As as Jake's one, I would uh, point it's out. It's pretty breathtaking. Well, I, yeah, it's it's yeah, I like it. But I mean, it just it goes to show that uh, you know, perform the the way we perceive how quarterbacks are playing. Like for example, take take Sam Howell. If you look into the stats, it doesn't tell the full story. It could just be that 
you know, the the games are exciting to watch the Commanders, which is not something we've ever said before, especially since their name change, uh, or the 21st century, probably. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a nice little stat, uh, and not too Rams orientated. So that's my random stat. I'd push back a little bit on Kirk Cousins. His issue isn't throwing in interceptions or bad passes. His problem is his entire offense can't hold onto the ball. And he only seems to target Justin Jefferson. And every time I he mean, goes away from fair. Justin yeah, Jefferson... You would. You would. Every, uh, if I was yeah, that quarterback, true, but, I'd only be throwing it to him. Yeah, but every time he throws away from him, it gets picked off. So it's just he's, That's he's why had he four, keeps four, targeting four Justin Jefferson. Yeah, he's had, he's had four picks. That's the amount of times he's targeted other players. Four times, basically. So, yeah. I mean, he, he didn't even target him for the interceptions that he made uh, in this week's game. So, yeah. It's a nice wee stat. Oh, and Anthony Richardson only has one interception for the year. And Bryce Young has two. So, the top rookies are actually doing all right. Good for them. Good for them. <clears throat> My random stat is going to look really bad in comparison to you two guys. Those, those were both absolutely fantastic. However... Mine comes with a little meander to get to it. Now, I'm assuming that both... Now, Dave, you said you were born in 1990. Is that correct? I was indeed. That's ridiculous. Jake, when were you born? <laughs> 1995. Oh, my word. I feel so old. <laughs> However, despite your youthful exuberance, gentlemen, I'm assuming that you are aware of a television show, uh, an, an old television show from, from the 70s known as Morecambe and Wise. Are you aware? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and anyone who doesn't yes. know who Markham and Wise are, shame on you, go and watch it immediately. Now, it's been repeated a million times on television. There's, there is a very famous one where they get the composer and pianist Andre Previn to come on the show, and Eric Markham plays the, plays the piano and has the, the great backwards and forwards with Andre Previn. Andre Previn is a legendary composer. He's won Oscars and he's absolutely legendary. Anyway, this now brings me to an NFL player. And I'm going to give you some of the stats for this player. Okay. He played in the NFL from 1989 until the year 2000. He played for seven teams, made five Pro Bowls, he had one All-Pro season, He's a Super Bowl champion, and his name is Andre Previn Risen. Or as most people would know him as, Bad Moon Risen, because that was his nickname, which is just, my goodness, credence. There we go. Um, so Andre Risen actually holds an NFL record. He does. And that record is he is the only player in NFL history to have a touchdown catch for seven different teams. And those teams are the Atlanta Falcons, uh, sorry, the Indianapolis Colts who drafted him in 1989, the Atlanta Falcons who he went to in 1990, in 1995 he went to the Cleveland Browns, in 1996 he played for the Packers and the Jaguars, and he actually caught the first points of the Super Bowl for the Packers, so he has a Super Bowl ring. In 1997 he went to Kansas City, stayed there for three years, and then in the year 2000 he went to uh, Oakland. In only one year of his career, which is 1999, his last year with Kansas City, did he not catch a, catch a touchdown pass. He led the league in touchdowns in uh, 1993 with 15. 
And as I say, his name is Andre Previn Ryzen or Bad Moon Ryzen. Um, so my random status is the only player in NFL history to catch a touchdown pass for seven different teams. And he was a great wide receiver. I'd actually heard of him because like, I was waiting. He was the like the most notable part of his career was with the Falcons. So I had heard mm-hmm. of him. I uh, did not know that though so that was very interesting and who doesn't love a bit of a, a bit of a story to go with a random stat well i i was looking up i, I didn't know this i was i was just looking up andre risen because he was one of those guys that popped into my head and i was like i wonder if there's anything interesting about him and then i saw his middle name is previn i was like andre previn from Morecambe and Wise. Obviously, he's not from Morecambe and Wise, but that was just where I knew him from. Uh, the, 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 if you've not seen the, the particular sketch, anyone who's listening, um, look it up on YouTube, Morecambe and Wise, Andre Previn, um, and where he says to Eric Morecambe, you're playing all the wrong notes. At which point, Eric Morecambe grabs him by the collar and pulls him in and says, I'm playing all the right notes, just not necessarily in the right order. <laughs> <laughs> it's... It's one of the it's one of the greatest sketches of all time. Love Markman Wise. Um love Andre Previn and I loved Andre Ryzen. Great player. Fantastic. Um there's a touchdown that he scored in his rookie season for the Colts, and I forget who they were playing. Um and it was it was a I want to say Jack Trudeau, who was the quarterback for the Colts at the time, and he throws his pass out to the left. And it was like on the five-yard line, and he spins around like five or six times, making guys miss and scores a touchdown. Absolutely incredible. Um, great player, Andre Ryzen. Yeah, I think I remember him very vaguely from my early Madden games, uh, if I remember rightly. So it would have been around the kind of turn, turn of the, well, I would say turn of the century, turn of the millennium, basically. That he would have been on it, but yeah, that that's you. You you went for the 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 nice kind of uh, story one, whereas me and Jake just went right to the jugular. Oh yeah, <laughs> with with our well, ones. But my stat was no near as impressive as you guys. <laughs> it's, it's delightfully impressive. Sometimes you've got a you know a bit of foreplay goes a long way. <laughs> yes, it does. And on that bombshell, gentlemen, we shall end tonight. So thank you very much, uh, everyone, for for listening in. Uh, Thank you, Dave. Oh, always a pleasure. Off to watch more coming wise. Uh, Thank you, Jake. Thank you, as always. Good to have you back. And uh, we will see you on next week's edition of the WinFL Show.